The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of On to the Next One. Yes, there was no UFC event this weekend, but we wanted to fill the gap on the program. We had the UFC 283 live show where we did our matchmaking following the first pay-per-view event of 2023 for the UFC. A lot of the normal podcast listeners they usually feel a little bit shafted after those shows because they send in their questions they, they want to get their matchmaking ideas read on the program, but it's a little too crazy on those live show days, so we have to do it through the YouTube chat. And we figured, you know what? We're about to get on a, a massive stretch of cards, not just for the UFC, but in the sport itself. So let's give back to the people who got us to the dance in the first place. So it's Ask Mike at AK Anything Part 5, y'all. And we welcome you to the program. I am Mike Heck, the Mike in that equation, while the AK is my best friend, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. Hello, AK. How are you on this Sunday morning as we record? Hi, Mike. I'm a little I'm a little Royal Rumble hungover. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't watch WWE as often. I'm a big AEW guy. I still keep up with WWE. You got to get together for the Rumble every year. Uh, I know our, our pals, the MMA Hour, did their first. I think I think it was their first Rumble pool. Uh, I've been doing it for many, many years, so you know I don't want to brag. Like I, I mean, I didn't invent it; there's people been doing it. Uh, but yeah, that was it. Was a, it was a fun show? I think we have a question about it later, so maybe we can talk more W later. But yeah, uh, we didn't we didn't have UFC this weekend, so yeah, I'm glad we have this space, this free space, Mike, to work with each other. You're my best friend, but also our our you know slightly less best friends. 
that uh, that tune in every week and uh, and who we love just as much yes so we'll get into this we have asked for questions for the last several days sent out the retweet the quote tweet during the royal rumble that it was the last call of course, half of you didn't listen and you sent in questions this morning, which is fine because we didn't start recording yet. Lucky. But, uh, you guys are lucky. You're lucky. Normally, we're already halfway through the program, but uh, it's a different day. Royal Rumble hangover indeed. Uh, so I guess let's just get into this. So what we'll do, AK, we have our little doc here with all the questions and those who submitted them. And I figure we'll just kind of flip flop, right? We'll just do one at a time. I'll go, you go, I'll go, you go. Is that how you want to do this? Let's do that. Yeah, we'll try not to. Yeah, yeah. We, we've sort of thrown the questions together. Uh, pretty good variety. I, I was looking over yours, the ones you got, looking over the ones I got. So we got, we're all over the place with these. I don't know how much flow there's going to be, but listen, uh, you guys brought us great questions and we'll, we'll tie it all together as much as we can. Yeah, these, these shows are better when there's no flow anyway. So let's get into it. <laughs> Dad Jackson, who he, he's made a comeback. He was yeah. hanging on by a thread sure. being an Otno matchmaker, but he has come back. He has been mistake-free for about five or six weeks, so hopefully this isn't a jinx. But his question, AK, is after UFC 283, does Jessica Andrade win a title back this year or w- win a title at all? And then he said, keep on rocking in the free world, go chief. So do you feel that after the beating, Jessica Andrade gave Lauren Murphy over those 15 minutes that she will win a title this year or even fight for a title this year? I, I want to lean yes, because there's so many possible ways she could. Uh, for one thing, she's at worst, the second or third best fighter in two divisions uh, at 125 and 115. There's a lot of talk, of course. Is Valentina eventually going to make a move out of the flyweight division? I don't think so, because they're starting to give her challengers. She seems to have a pretty logical lineup of challengers this year. We know she's fighting Alexa Grasso. And then I think I feel like the Aaron Blanchfield, Tyler Santos winner will probably get a title fight. It might, people might say it's too soon for Aaron Blanchfield, but she's been on a tear. And Tyler Santos uh, you know, almost beat uh, Valentina Shevchenko. So by MMA math... You could give Blanchfield a title fight. Santos obviously deserves one. Uh, and then Menel Figueroa, if she, if she wins another fight this year, she could fight Valentina. So I don't know if Valentina vacates this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. That would really be Jessica Andrade's one of her best passes to 125. 115. This is interesting because she has the one fight with Zhang. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to see it again. It was pretty definitive. I mean, you know, a, a Zhang finished her, but... You know, we've seen how good Andrade has done since. She deserves to get another shot. I'm going to say she does not win the title back this year. I think she is going to get a title fight either at 125 or 115. More likely 115, but 125, if some of the other challengers kind of stumble or they need an injury replacement, Jessica Andrade is right there. So that's a that's a no. She will not win the title back. I don't think she fights for the title at 125. There's just too many. There's just too many fighters there. One fifteen's interesting, but Zhang is just not the most active fighter, right? She she just doesn't fight all that often. She's not somebody who's going to fight three times a year, and I don't blame her for that. It's just that's how she's always been. And you would have to think Amanda Lamos is there right now. Rose Namajunas is there right now. It all depends. It just it's kind. It's just a tough spot to be in. So I would love to see the fight because I feel like their first meeting just never really got going. And even though Zhang just blew the doors off of her 
it's not the same of, as Valentina blowing the doors off of her because Valentina blew the doors off her and just kept doing it and kind of tortured her in there a little bit. And Zhang just chucked her and beat the hell out of her in mere seconds. So different fight. I would love to see what happens if those two fighters fought again because they're, they both evolved so much. Zhang is a much better fighter than she was when she fought Jessica Andrade the first time. And Jessica has made some tweaks of her own. So I would love to see it. Unfortunately, I don't think we see it this year. So to answer the question, no, she will not win the title back. And I don't even think she fights for a title this year unless she just kind of falls into something. They book something else. The challenger falls through. Jessica says, I'm ready. And then she gets the fight. Other than that, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Listen, listen one of the best abilities is availability, as they say in, in all sports. And <laughs> she's available, man. She's ready. So, yeah, it, I agree. It, it would have to be not necessarily short notice, but. Uh, other other contenders that are ahead of her in the line, which again it sounds so unfair because we know she's the second or third best, like I said, in two divisions. But when you've been in so many title fights and you're not for whatever reason not one of like the UFC's favored sons or daughters, like a Holly Holm or Uriah Faber was, uh, which she just isn't for some reason, even though she's super exciting, uh, it's it's hard to get it back. But I, I do think it's possible. I, and, but even if she gets it, I just don't know if she if she wins it. So it's a, it's it's not it's a, it's somewhat of a long shot. But if there's some odds out there, uh, Dad Jackson for betting on her winning a title, like a futures bet, like ending the year as as a champion. I don't know if they do division by division. I don't know. Maybe sprinkle some cash in. I mean, never gamble on MMA, but I'm saying if you already do, it might not hurt. I would say sprinkle that elsewhere in other places, but <laughs> you never know. You never know. It's probably like plus 20. It's it's probably plus four figures yeah. right now. So. I think it depend on division, right? Yeah. All right, you're up. All right, let's go to our, our, our pal, Tristan Gordet. We'll get some newer people later, but let's go to some. We're going with some of our old favorites right now. Tristan Gordet. Uh, oh, this wasn't the one I wanted to read. Well, it's too late. Now I have to do it. Uh, Tristan. <laughs> Who are your dark horse fighters that will emerge in 2023? He lays out the criteria, just some to the effect of, you know, no one who's currently ranked in the top five of the UFC. No one is currently ranked in the top five of the MMA fighting global rankings. So, I mean, I have to look those up. But off the top of, off the top of your head, Mike, I don't know if anyone's jumping up for you right away. Uh, maybe I should look at his criteria more clearly. But, yeah, who's a dark horse to, I guess, you know, get into title contention or, again, maybe even fight for the title that we're not seeing? I'll, uh, I'll see if I can bring up the exact criteria. But who's jumping to your mind right now? Dark Horse? Mm. That's such a strange word. Because, mm. like, Shafkar Rachmanov's ranked number 10, and he's not a Dark Horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Umar Madoff is, like, number 8 or number 9, but I don't think he's a Dark Horse either. So. Oh, wait, there was one more one more criteria. Someone who hasn't, oh, yeah. someone who hasn't headlined a UFC fight card before. And obviously couldn't have already uh, couldn't have already fought for a title. So, uh, yeah. So not not top five in, in UFC rankings, global rankings, and has not headlined a UFC card. Jail, it's Jelton Almeida. That, that I, mean, was, it has, I mean, it has to be right. Him. And this is why you're saying it's weird to say dark horse because by based on that criteria, he's a dark horse, but he's also he's not a dark not horse because <laughs> every time we bring him up, we go like, this guy's gonna beat up everyone who stands his way and win a UFC title. So. I'm, tr- yeah, I'm trying to think of a more dark horsey answer, like by the traditional definition. Uh, I'll throw I'll, I'll throw another name out. Mm-hmm. I'll throw another name out. We just mentioned this division, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw another name out. She's been out for a little while, but she's going to fight in March. I'm picking Casey O'Neill. I'm going with Casey O'Neill. I've been super high on her, and I think if she had gotten the opportunity to compete against Jessica I. She would have beat the soul out of Jessica I, and she'd be in a much better position right now. So, 
She's going to fight Jennifer Maya, it appears. Jennifer Maya's number eight. That's going to be a big win. Casey's pretty active. I know she's come back from a pretty tough injury. And I think she'll beat Jennifer Maya. Uh, I she might. I, I think she has a good chance to finish Jennifer Maya, if we're being honest. Probably like a third-round TKO of, of some sort. I'm going to go with her. I'm going to go with her. I think by the end of the year, we're going to be talking about her in the in sort of the Aaron Blanchfield position where... Mm-hmm. And she's ranked higher than Aaron Blanchfield in the UFC rankings. Oh, no, she's not. She's a spot behind her. But okay. the injury hurt her. But I think by the end of the year, she'll be fighting, or at least... She'll be in the conversation fighting the Lauren Murphys, the Chukagians, the Tyler Santoses, and we'll be talking about whether or not she will get a title shot and whether or not she will be the champion by the end of 2024. So I will go with Casey O'Neill as like a darker dark horse. What, what did you say she was in the UFC rankings? Uh, She's 11 in the 11. UFC rankings. Okay, that's almost the same as us because in our rankings, if you could take out Liz Carmouche and uh, Juliana Velasquez and just go with UFC fighters, she would be 11. So, okay, we're actually pretty in lockstep there. I mean, like we said, we can't, it feels silly to pick Almeida. It feels just as silly to pick like Umar. I think I think we had that Tristan. You should have clarified who was the biggest dark horse. Also, who's not named Shelton Almeida or Umar Nurmagomedov? Because again, either of these guys by the end of the year, my goodness, just could be doing serious damage in their divisions. Uh, I love the Casey O'Neill pick, our rookie of the year, a couple of years ago. Uh, is there any like super? I'm trying to look. Is there anyone I can find outside like the top fifteen? That's like not even in the rankings in one of these. Larone deep... Murphy. Ooh, he's I a, like that. What's his? He's booked, right? Who is he fighting? He's fighting. Nathaniel Wood. Wow. That's a good one. Uh, especially since the featherweight division is going to be a little funny with, again, we we think, or you've said many times, if Volk wins the lightweight title, he just should not go. There's just no reason to go back to featherweight at this point, right? So that kind of leaves just, it up in yeah, the air. Yeah, that's just being egotistical if you go back to 45. <laughs> and that would make the uh, Josh Emmett Yair fight. That person would, I guess, essentially become the undisputed champion. And Fingers crossed. I mean, neither guy has had that much luck fighting multiple times, like more than two times in the UFC a year. Fingers crossed they'd get a couple of title defenses in 2023. I, I wouldn't bet on it. And Lerone Murphy, yeah, if he beats Nathaniel Wood, picks up another win. There's, there's, there, he's really good. He just ha- Again, he just hasn't been able to, to get in there as often as you'd like to see. I like those picks. I feel like I should have them. Maybe Jonathan Pierce, if we're going the same division. Yeah. Jonathan Pierce, I don't know where you rank him. Um, Jay, yeah. He's right outside the top fifteen, and yeah. I, I, there's another one in that division too. And if he beats Edson Barboza, the the UFC the UFC is going to push him to the moon because they love this guy. And how could you not? Billy Q is probably another Billy Q. Good pick. Yeah, he saw. If you want to find dark horses, it's definitely you would go to like lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight because the divisions are so deep. But with the right match, Chris Gutierrez, another he's got a yep. super tough matchup. He's fighting. Uh, did they put him with Munoz? He's fighting Pedro Munoz, yeah. And that's a good... Listen, Munoz, I don't know where people rank him. I would still rank him above Chris Gutierrez. So you could you put on impressive performance against him. It's going to move you up the rankings uh, a few spots. So Chris Gutierrez, yeah. If you go to lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight, very deep divisions, you can find guys outside of the top 20 who are like 4-0, 5-0 uh, in the UFC, or at least on three-fight win streaks, four-fight win streaks. It's just the divisions are so deep, they can't really move up. But again, if they earn a uh, contender's fight by middle of the year... I don't know. Then you could see them see them have in a huge, uh, you know, maybe a main event or a title fight by by the end of the year. That's being very optimistic, but again, these are great divisions, and I'd, I'd love to see uh, love to see one of these guys, uh, these quote unquote dark horses, break through. Yes, I agree. All right, let's go to our pal Robbie Ryan. 
if Bellator 1 PFL were to rise to the equal level of the UFC, how many top-shelf UFC fighters would they need to recruit and would be your top five names to get to jump ship? I don't know. If, I mean, I, I think I get where the question is. And then sub-question, are the lower-tier MMA promotions, which are broadcast on Fight Pass, obligated to give the UFC first opportunity at signing outstanding talent? Second question, I, I don't think is... I think, I'm pretty sure is a no. Because that'd just be kind of dumb. Like, I know a lot of fighters go on Fight Pass with hopes of getting a UFC contract, but if they don't get one and Bellator comes knocking, it would seem pretty silly to be like, no, I can't because I just fought on Fight Pass for this random card that <laughs> may not even, like, I didn't even think was going to be on Fight Pass, honestly, until they just acquired the, the rights to broadcast. So uh, I would say no to the second question. But first question, AK, uh, I think we're both in agreement. Neither of those promotions are going to rise to the equal level of the UFC. I think that's just beyond reproach right not now. My, not just, in my lifetime. It's, it's so not far away. Lifetime. I'll be dust and, by the time that happens, if ever. Yeah. Um, why don't like Why don't we change the question to, like, who can cement themselves as, like... Like, I think Bellator is clearly number two right now. And there shouldn't be too much of a debate here because PFL is coming along. No doubt about it. They, they're coming off a huge year. One has the prime deal, so that's that's a very big deal as well. I don't know. Like, who could take another step closer, I guess? Like, who can cement their place as the, the undisputed number two for years and years to come? Like, how does this happen? Can, how, how, what's, what would need to be done, like, in terms of taking UFC talent or fighters who were once in the UFC, or maybe that's not even the answer to this question, to cement themselves as... Where the UFC is compared to these other three promotions, this other this num- this promotion becoming number two becomes that to the other two promotions. If that makes sense, I mean the question is weird as it is because what they really mean is how can UFC rise to the level of one championship? Of course, the most the biggest. Oh yeah. Prom- uh, listen, these jokes are going to come forever as long as this narrative keeps getting. I always, I keep seeing replies on one stories about how like man you don't know like one is so much bigger than the UFC and I'm like in certain markets I'm sure that's true. I I don't mean to belittle one championship or fans of one championship or regions where one championship is has like a greater foothold I- i'm sure there are regions there are areas but there's just no solid data to back up one championship being a bigger promotion than the ufc worldwide on a broad it's just no i'm just sorry the data isn't there uh <laughs> if you look at the financial data for one championship uh it certainly does not reflect a promotion that is bigger than the ufc um so, but yeah, I, I'm I'm a PFL guy. I've I've and loved the idea of the PFL since the beginning, except for the name from day one. I'm like, people hate Bellator, and I get it. I think Professional Fighters League is worse. I I get. I think from a like I guess from an SEO like search engine standpoint, it's not bad. It's not bad. Like okay, I'm looking for professional fight, and I guess if you Google that, PFL might show up. I like the idea of them calling it a league. Uh, their PR team has always been very insistent, insistent, like, hey, when you're talking about PFL, can you call it a league? And at first I was like, I guess. But I enjoyed that idea of trying to change the perception of what you are. Like, we're not just a promotion. We're a league. We're a league like the NBA. We're a league like Major League Baseball. Okay, fine. But either way, overall, I'm a fan of PFL. Tournament format's great. The idea of having now super fights, you know, big money super fights, bringing in guys like Jake Paul, Fingers crossed someday, Francis Ngannou. I mean, if you want to talk about jumping ship, that's one of your big names you, you, you'd love to get. Throw everything that you have at him. Um, and, and I hope they never push the tournaments to the background. I think that gimmick is so strong. I know Bellator eventually did. I'd like to see 
PFL find that balance between having the million dollar tournament, you know, their their signature and bring people over. But yeah, France and Ghana is a name that comes to mind. I don't know the likelihood of that happening, but if we're just saying hypothetically, who needs to jump ship? A guy like him would be like number one on my list. Uh, Mike, who else would you think of? I'll, I'll try to think of some other names. I mean, Francis is definitely the Francis is definitely the the unicorn here. Mm-hmm. You got to You got to find a way to get him. And I think Bellator probably has the best to offer him right now because they have it's just who owns them and what networks and what platforms are available to him. I'm not saying that PFL wouldn't be like, yeah, you can go box people, but I think dealing with them is going to be a little tougher. Like I know they're part of the ESPN plus team and the family and stuff like that, but I don't know if they, if it's just like, Hey, you can go fight for top rank right now. We'll make it happen. While if Francis goes to Bellator, Bellator will be like, yeah, if you want two or three fights, cool. But if you want to go fight somebody on Showtime boxing, great. Like we'll make it happen. We'll make you a headliner or something like that. So I actually think Bellator is more to offer him. I think whoever lands Francis is going to take a humongous leap at least for this year, because just the fact that he's on the roster and that there are going to be headlines that said France Ngannou ends free agency to sign with fill-in-the-blank, it's going to be massive news. Luke Rockhold, he's back. I'm not... I, I mean, Luke is a name, and he just said on the MMA Hour that he's coming back. He's a free agent. He's free and clear from the UFC. I don't think there's a ton of winnable fights in either promotion for him, if we're being honest. Like, if if we chucked him in there with Johnny Eblen right now, Johnny Eblen would absolutely run him over. There's no... Th- this would not be a competitive fight at all. But if we threw him in there with Gegard, we chucked him in there with Yoel Romero, like, those are fun. Like, Dude, like rematch. Bad blood. Th- th- yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jed wants to see uh, Luke Rockhold versus Francis Ngannou in Bellator. Like... I mean, we're not going to see that, but just getting names like that on the roster who are, hey, we wanted to leave the UFC for all these specific reasons, and now we're here and we're happy. Look at the smiles on our faces. That's only going to create change and at least get a couple of others over. Now, is this going to be a, well, the the the, the building that is the UFC, this tower is just going to start to crumble down? God, no, not even close, but... Getting those two names, if someone can land both of those names, that's a very big deal. And there's other names out there, too. Like, Eddie Alvarez is still out there. That's a that's a nice little name to to throw in there. Not not to the level of those two guys, but Eddie's a nice name. Nate Diaz, obviously, is a, is a nice name. But I don't know if he's going to sign to any specific promotion because he has his own, unless they're willing to co-promote and do something fun, which I think Bellator might do. They've already shown they're willing to do that, so... Yeah, but France and Luke Rockhold are probably the two most realistic names right now. I'll toss in, I guess, maybe uh, Paulo Costa. A little bit of a wild card. A wild That's card a good factor. one. Yeah, Paulo Costa. He's, of course, we just fought Luke Rockhold. So I, could, I could see that. And there's a relationship there, but that Paulo Costa did something with Bellator not that long ago with the, with the Liver King and eating liver at a Bellator, <laughs> that <was> so... <laughs> Bellator media day or something. I totally forgot that happened. Which is awesome, happens. by the way. It, sure, I totally forgot that happened. Uh... 2023, 2022 was a wild one. That's a wild one. Yes. I do think uh, there could be a reunion with Justin Gaethje, you know, the former World Series of Fighting, now the PFL. I don't know how many people are still associated. In... Do you think Justin Gaethje at some point? I mean, he obviously is very well compensated and well-loved by the UFC, but I wonder, do you think, I wonder if uh, winding down his career, they can get him in a 
in a, in a oh you know how about close out your career with pfl when you know million dollar tournament etc et or or super fight big you know offer him a big ass super fight contract something like that doubtful doubtful because Ju- gage is already gage is already kind of put a like a damage bar on himself where yes. like i only have like three more wars left in me oh. and he considered the Oliveira fight a war i would assume by the time this fazeev fight ends that will be considered another war so we probably only have like two like insane tornado like battles left <laughs> in him and i just don't know if he's gonna do it outside of the ufc do a tournament justin do a tournament do a welter do it at welterweight or something they don't even worry about cutting weight do their well enter their welterweight tournament come on get another easy get another easy million like, i'm sure he's well compensated by the ufc but just do it for fun and I, I, as far as like names like that would be a big one if they could even even you know whatever a couple of years from now even like the latter stage how much does justin gaethje have left justin gaethje that'd be a nice nice little name value pop but uh yeah i, I see what you're saying seems unlikely the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Matt Hannaday, Mike, wants to know, we've had this question before, but now we're like getting realistically closer. Uh, who do you want to see Jim Miller fight at UFC 300? Like a newbie, someone nostalgic like Guida Lozan retiring. Again, we've talked about this in other shows. But now UFC 287 got announced. That's going to be in in April, right, Mike? 287? Yeah. Yep. 
And since the UFC does do what thirteen events a year, they usually sneak in a two month pay per view, a two pay per view. Are they fourteen? Is it? Do they ever do two? Is it two? Two. They're doing two, two in March, and then we know they're doing two in March um, this year. They almost always do one month, where they do, they do two a year. They might. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll do two in July. I don't know. They didn't last year. They just okay. did. They only had twelve events last year. Maybe they did thirteen. I'm trying think. to remember. There was a stretch where we, it just seemed like we had was a like. Did we have two? No, we did have two in July, didn't we? We did. We have two in July. I remember two seventy six and two seventy seven were both in July, and two seventy eight was in August. Right? I'm googling this. I'm giving up, and I'm googling this right now. Uh, you said two seventy six was International Fight Week. I think uh-huh, they did uh-huh. two seventy seven was what like yes. July thirtieth. Yeah, something? yeah, really, like really squeezed in there. July second, two seventy six. July thirtieth, two seventy seven. So they really, but yeah, oh, that was the Dallas card. That was yeah. the Dallas card. Yeah. So we, so they do usually thirteen events a year. This year, I don't know. Maybe they'll do fourteen because they are doing that London pay per view. But if they, if they only do thirteen, the countdown will begin from UFC two eighty seven twelve the twelve month countdown to UFC three hundred. It's it's really not that far off. We're talking about a year. We know, barring anything unfortunate happening, Jim Miller will still be fighting. It's what Jim Miller does. He'll probably be fighting until UFC 350, if we're being honest. And who knows, knowing him, UFC 400. Uh, but <laughs> UFC 300, we know almost for sure. And the UFC will do everything in their power. They they, they ha- definitely know that, like, oh, he's the 100, the 200 guy. He's the, all the milestones. They know he has to be on 300. <sighs> who should he fight? fight i think i'm definitely in favor of someone nostalgic a year from now again if, we, if we're trying to predict like oh a younger guy because they've certainly done that they matched him up with people with zero ufc experience which is amazing uh if uh god joe, joe lazan clay guida clay guida would be a fresh matchup he's never fought clay right or he did fight clay I don't know. I have to look. So Joe Lozano, of course, he has. Yeah, it's. I mean, Jim's Jim's fought everybody. He's fought everybody. Honestly, he's fought everybody. I think I. I, I think I have a weird out of the box answer for this, but Let's, I think it's. Let it fly. I man. think it's something that could happen. Okay, so people oh, are gonna think I'm no, crazy, no. but j- just remember, UFC 300 is a long ways from now. Okay, and. The sport changes and things evolve and whatever. So here's what I'm going to go with. Jim Miller versus Max Holloway. 155. Okay. UFC 300. That's a year plus. Uh, I'll go with that. That's Max so Holloway. Nostalgic name. That's just a fun fight. Max isn't going to take a, a, a ton of damage in that fight. It's just going to be fun. Like It's just going to be a fun scrap. Two dudes who are going to respect the hell out of each other. There's going to be no trash talk. It's just going to be... Just incredible theater that we could just sit back and relax. It's it's Diaz Ferguson esque, but even more fun. That's a great pick. Uh, by the way, he did fight. He did fight Clay Guida. Submit him. He fought Clay Guida more recently than he fought Joel Dazan. So I don't know why. I can't <laughs> I was fought Clay Guida twice or three times. Yeah, twenty nineteen, August twenty nineteen. Submit fifty eight second submission. Wow, I have no recollection of this. My memory is horrible. Uh, but like you said, he fought everyone. I had a feeling he had, he had done that. Uh, I love your pick, Mike. I'm going to say, where, where are we? Okay. A year from now, he fought Bobby Green, right, recently? Or he's been booked to fight Bobby Green? Has he never fought Bobby? Was he not booked to fight Bobby Green? Last year, he's booked oh, to fight Bobby yes, Green. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then again, UFC 276. And then Bobby recently. was out. And th- yeah, Bobby was out. Okay. 
And then that's when Cerrone stepped in okay. for the retirement fight. So, so that for sure would be my pick. I want to see him fight Bobby Green. Twice I have been teased it in my mind. I, I Here's the weird thing. I remember that fight happening more than I remember Clay Guida happening. And the Clay Guida fight actually happened and the Bobby Green fight didn't. That's how much I need this fight to happen just to correct this spot in my brain where this fight exists. Um, and again, it should be fun. It's just two two of MMA, the lightweight divisions, lifers, man. They've just fought everyone. They've they've been in every scenario. It'd be really fun. We have a fun build up too. Everything'd be great. I have the another one, good one. Okay, go ahead, and then I'll tell you the one thing I definitely need to see happen at three hundred with Jim Miller. Uh, go ahead, uh, Mike. If uh, give me your your, your other pick, the uh, Paul Felder. <gasps> Paul Felder comes out of retirement oh. for one more. I think that's it, because they were scheduled, right? Did they ever fight each other? I don't think so. I think they were booked, but actually never fought each other. Uh, we're expected to fight April 18th, 2015, UFC on Fox 15. Wow, UFC on Fox era. That is when they were supposed wow. to fight. Felder was replaced by Benil Darius. Hurt his knee, replaced by Benil. Just for one more one more go. Doesn't it, like It seems like Felder like is mostly out. Yeah. But if we could do something where like he's on the same card with Brady and Sabatini and Petrosky <laughs> and like all those dudes... If we could chuck Polly Polly Walnuts on there to get in there with one more fight with, with Jimmy Mills, let's do it. I, I like that idea too. Yeah, Paul Felder, we know you're always in shape. UFC 300, what an event it's going to be. Jim Miller, legend. You guys are probably going to win a fight of the night. If come on, yeah, come on, come on, and do it. Have some fun, uh, and then go back to retirement. The one thing I need to see happen, if again, it'd be horrible if they couldn't find a fight with Jim Miller or if a fight was booked and Jim Miller's opponent got, you know, fell out or he fell out. He at least, obviously, he has to be there. He has, he has to have front row seats because he's Jim friggin' Miller. And two, depending on the timing, you announce his fall, Hall of Fame induction. That would be sick. Uh, I think what's the USC's policy on inducting active fighters? They don't. I'm not crazy, right? Like, the fighter has to have at least teased a retirement. Because I always see people asking, like, oh, why is Anderson Silva not uh, in the, you know, why is he not in the Hall of Fame? And I'm like, well, technically he's still active, too. There's probably a little bit of, not bad blood, but, like, they want to let this whole, maybe when he's done boxing, they'll do it. Um, I think you have to be inactive. But for, uh, well, that's not true. People have won, have, have been inducted to the fight wing. But I think for the individual induction wing, they prefer people to be retired. So, I don't know. I think Jim Miller, you waive that rule, even if he's still fighting. Uh, you have him there, and you announce you announce that retirement. At, uh, oh, excuse me, not retirement. You, if he's not fighting, you announce him for the Hall of Fame at, at UFC 300, assuming it happens before International Fight Week. He, he deserves that much. Either way, Jim Miller and UFC 300 has to happen in some form. Yeah, and even if they don't have precedent set, you set it for that because it's your Hall of Fame. There's no rules. Oh, well, we're not allowed to do that. Yes, you shut the hell up. John Jones is in the Hall of Fame for for a fight. Oh, right. So what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Michael Bisping was in the Hall of Fame. Like, I, there's Diego Sanchez was still fighting when he was in the Hall of yeah, Fame. I mean, Guida, B, BJ Clay, Penn, Clay Guida, who we just talked about, with the, the Diego Sanchez induction. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no rules behind that. All right, uh, let's go to Bryant. Mike Heck, oh how I missed you in AK. Your boy had a long couple months, but we're back, baby, and that's all that matters. I have two questions for you in AK. Number one is Colby Covington versus Hamza Shemaev all but set up now after Burns versus Jorge was made. Or is Bilal going to get one of Colby or Hamzat? Two, who's the prospect to look out for this year that has not fought in a major promotion yet, but you imagine will this year? Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Go Niners. A lot of football fans chiming in. So do you feel that, if you missed it, if you've been living under a rock, UFC 287, Jorge Masvidal is going to fight uh, Gilbert Burns. 
in the co-main event, there's a, a lot of work still being done behind the scenes for that card. We still don't even know where that card's happening yet. But when you heard that announcement, did it make you feel like, okay, now we're getting Colby versus Hamzat? Or did it make you think we're getting Bilal versus Kobe or Bilal, Bilal versus Hamza? Where are we at here? I think we're more likely to get... I'm, I'm going to play the safe answer here. Bilal versus Hamza. Uh, a Colby, you know, is, is a huge matchup. And it's just that the whole legal situation with Jorge Masvidal... I know, I know Masvidal got booked, but part of Covington's thing with him was talking about the brain, like, oh, my, my brain was injured in the attack, potentially. I don't know how much that's going to get in the way of him uh, booking a fight. That was such a weird thing when that came up. I think we all wondered, like, is that something that's going to like hurt his career? And does he care that much? I think he's made a lot of money. I think he can sort of afford to do stuff like that and, you know, focus on winning that case as opposed to, you know, um, necessarily lying about his mental, his uh, neurological health. And uh, anyway, it's a whole other thing. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just... I know Colby probably is going to fight this year, and it's going to be a big one, but I just don't know when he's coming back. So I'm leaning towards Bilal, who obviously is always looking to stay active, always looking to get a big fight, wants Hamza Shemaev. I, yeah, if I had to pick it from these scenarios, I'll go Bilal Hamza. I don't know if that's what people want to hear, but I actually really like that matchup. Of course, I'll favor Hamza because I'll favor Hamza over anyone, especially if he can make 170. Um, but yeah, that's a big fight. That's a big co-main event fight uh, on a pay-per-view would really really like to see that fight as well it's so weird to try to book colby right now or Mm -hmm. try to like fantasy match make for him it just all depends like it it all depends where a fight featuring colby covington would take place because let's just say april 8th april 8th is we still don't know where this event's happening and i've told you for a while that it's two it was two places for a while now it might be three Brooklyn, which seemed to be the favorite. I've been telling you Miami is is one of those places, and it seems like as of right this second, they are the front runner. In fact, the UFC came out and posted a tweet that has been since deleted that it was happening in Miami. <laughs> so uh, I was told there, there's still no location that has been officially booked. And I was told even before that that Miami, they want to do Miami. Like if, if everything fell into place and they could do it anywhere, it would be there. But obviously, there's the NBA. That arena is going. Is, is other places are using that arena. If Miami ends up making the playoffs, and you know, depending on where they seed, how they schedule things out in the first round or the second round, however that works in the playoffs, that could affect things. So they're waiting. To, it's a wait and see right now. MSG is also in play. I've been told by a couple of people, but an Ariel reported that as well. So we don't know. So if this fight happens, if this card happens in New York, Colby will not be fighting on it because that commission is just not going to let this dude fight on it. It's not going to happen. And if Aljamain Sterling, and if, if this card's in New York, I, having Aljo on that card is probably going to be tough with the with him declaring the bicep injury. He's already talked about he's he has a t- he might have a tough time getting sanctioned in New York anyways. He's talked about that in the past. So that could cause a wrinkle. So I don't know. Plus Colby and Mazadal fighting on the same card. I don't think they're going to want to do that right now. So I don't know, man. I'm probably with you that Bilal versus Hamzad is probably the the fight. I don't think Colby's going to come back to fight Bilal. I think he would come. I honestly think he would come back to fight Hamzad. Definitely. I've been saying it for definitely, a while. Yeah. He would definitely no take question. that. It's the biggest fight he can get by a mile. And it's, and it's, and a, it's, it's a winnable 100, fight. Yeah. It's winnable. Yeah, it's, it's, 
and it, no offense to Bilal Muhammad, it's 15,000 times bigger than the Bilal fight. <laughs> it's so much bigger. You could headline a pay-per-view with Colby versus Hamzat. You can't do that with, with Bilal, as impressive as he has been. And I like Bilal, and his personality is great. So I will go Bilal Hamzat. I'm not confident in either of these picks right now. But my pick for Colby Covington is I think he will he will not fight either of those guys. And then sometime maybe July, August, he's going to fight Dustin Poirier. That's what I think is going to happen. A lot of heat there. A lot of heat there. It's been going on for years, the, the, the trash talk between them. Uh, I really thought the Burns fight was a possibility. But, I mean, now we know, of course, Burns, is, Burns got mods with all. So, yeah, that, that's totally through my whole, I don't know what, like, what Colby Covington is going to do this year. Out of whack and... Is it, he will fight though. We I, we do see Colby come back this year, right? I mean, I'm I'm pretty confident. I think he fights. Yeah, this year. I think he fights this year. I think he fights this year. And by the way, a lot of people were asking like, how did this Burns Mazadal fight get made? It got put together very quickly, hmm. like very quickly within the last couple of days. Like Thursday is when it got approached, and then it got like Friday was when it kind of got finalized because Mazadal put out that tweet, right? Big fight news coming and. I was initially told, like, this has to do with, like, Icon or, or one of the promotions he runs. And then I was told on Friday, might have to do with both. And I heard about the Gilbert Burns fight. I heard about the date. Um, apparently, there's going to be a special announcement done in some way by Jorge Mazadal uh, to announce this news. And then Dana White just yelled and screamed the announcement into a microphone oh my God. Friday, 30 minutes late. So there you go. What prospect are you looking at this year outside of a major promotion? Hmm. Um, I mean, this one is super easy if I can only pick one. It's, and I always get his name wrong, but it's the Lazy King. It's the Lazy King. It's the Lazy King, and there's no second place. It's that dude, and that's it. If I am Bellator right now, like, stop with, just offer this guy like six figure fight. Like, every fight he makes a hundred and a hundred. Get this guy on your roster. Do not mess around. PFL, like, I know Francis is the dude and Rockhold's right there, and you have these big names. But if you're investing in the future, you've got to get Lazy King. How is this guy not signed to any of these places? I don't understand. I don't get it. But this this dude is a freak of nature. He's an exciting, he's an interesting cat, speaks English, great interview, fights his ass off. Just went up to 185, was completely outsized, was losing the fight, and then pulled off like a miracle knee bar with like 30 seconds left in the fight. This dude needs to be in the UFC or Bellator. He needs to be in a major promotion right now. It's him. There's nobody else. Yeah, he's and if he's not prospecting enough, I don't know if people maybe they don't view him as prospecting anymore. I still I don't know when he. I usually if when I say prospect, I usually go by amount of years fighting as opposed to uh, amount of fight because you could be. He's 27, so yeah. I, I say he's and he's, say and he's only been fighting pro since 2016. So I think if you're in the five to six year range, I still sort of consider you a prospect. Like he's 27. Yeah, being under 30 also helps. Depending on the division i mean you can be a, you can be a, a young prospect at heavyweight at like age 34 so depending on the division certainly it matters but yeah, yeah i would i'll go even more prospectier uh i had to go back sorry to look at some of my favorite guys from you know i do the misfits every year and i do a, a re- recap christian leroy duncan who did get signed i think i think he, the ufc signed him uh he was the cage warriors uh middleweight champion and a guy who actually managed to defend it, I've certainly written about this a few times, the the middleweight title in Cage Warriors is, like, notoriously hard to hold on to. Like, there was a stretch where of, I think, six, uh, five or six champions who could not hold on, just not could not successfully defend it. I think he's done it once or twice now, and in highlight real fashion. So, he would have been my pick. I think the UFC did sign him. Um, and then I have to throw in 
a young man who I really didn't catch on to until the end of the year and started going back on his highlights. Uh, this guy from Georgia, his name is Otar Tanzalov. People, you can find his highlights again on MMAfighting.com. I did a little recap for him, or just you know Google whatever, whatever, however you find, however the kids find highlights these days. Mike, three and zero in twenty twenty two, just crazy switch kick knockout, high kicks to the face, just winning winning decisions against tough competition. Needs to step up. If you kind of look at his record, there's a few, you know, it's a little soft right now, but his last two opponents, very solid, legitimate guys. So I'll say uh, Otar Tanzlov, these are your guys uh, who could be coming to the UFC sooner rather than later, hopefully getting signed to actual contracts and not having to go through a contender series. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's 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 so many right now. So it's 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 kind of tough to to pinpoint certain ones. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great question. But yeah, Lazy King's the dude. Wow. Without a doubt. Guys like Trevor Peak, I, I really like. Um, then there's others as well, but. We will continue on. Uh, I believe you're up. Oh, where do I go? Okay, let's go. Should I go non-MMA? Let's go non-MMA. I feel like we answered this before, but I do. I did cheat and like prepare for this, so I better. I may. I better make sure I answer this one. Uh, regular listener Bobby Adkins wants to know, Mike, best non-MMA sporting event that you've ever attended live. You're from the uh, New England area. You have a long list to choose from. I'm sure. I do indeed. Big sports town. Big sports town. Best event I've ever attended live. That's not, non-MMA. Some... Non-MMA. Non-MMA. Yeah. Yes. MMA would probably not even make my top 10, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, oh, I might. <clears throat> I've been to two Red Sox playoff games where David Ortiz... Actually, three Red Sox playoff games. Ortiz won two of them. Won, won the series twice with walk-off hits. And then I went to another game where I forget who I can't remember who it was. Somebody else had a walk off to win the series. So I went to all those, but I will go with 2011. It was the Stanley cup playoffs. I went to the Boston Bruins, Montreal Canadians first round matchup game seven, um, Went to overtime, and then Nathan Horton scored a goal in overtime to beat the Canadians, send them packing, and then they went on to win the Stanley Cup that year as well. So I will go with that. That was about as intensive an environment that I've ever been to. The game was crazy. Bruins are up like three to nothing. Montreal comes back, ties it up. Late in the third period, they go to overtime, and Horton hears a who, gets it done. That's what they were calling him. He'd do a super clutch. And yeah, I'll go with that one. That was nuts. Was this was this a family outing or was this a boys' night out? Sorely pops uh, a plenty. Which kind of outing the, was this? Yeah, it, yeah, it was a it was a friend. It the latter. <laughs> yes, it was a Mike, friend night. Mike might have been a little crunk this evening. Uh, oh, it was a good time. <laughs> Karaoke might have been sung later in the night. In fact, it was. Oh, this 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 was a whole experience, not just an event. Uh, oh, it was a night. I cheat. I had to look up. I, I I haven't gone to a lot of live sporting events, but definitely the ones I've gone to. My my answer would actually probably be like an indie wrestling show. And people support your local indies. Sitting, getting a forty fifty dollar ticket oh, for a front row seat at a local indie show. If you like pro wrestling, bring your kid. If you have kids, bring or, or yeah, or uh, your nieces, nephews. It's so much friggin' fun. Going to any wrestling show is fun, but there's a huge difference between being in an indie show in a friggin' small gymnasium with the wrestlers flying around you, uh, uh, telling you to put your foot up so they can throw uh, throw a guy's face into your into your boot. 
Um, it's so fun compared to like sitting in the nosebleeds for a big show, you know, different appeal. So I, that would probably be my go-to answer, but I'll go, I had three specific examples. One, I'll say uh, I had the lucky, when I was in school, I was covering the 2015 Pan Am games and I got to see the uh, 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 Canadian women's basketball team uh, win a gold medal. That was really fun. Kia Nurse was amazing that day. So that was, the atmosphere is incredible. One of my favorite uh, sporting event memories for sure. Uh, sticking with pro wrestling, I was, I've was i been to a lot of pivotal AEW shows, like their first show in Las Vegas, their first show, period, their first pay-per-view. Um, the first one in Vegas, when Cody Rhodes wrestled his brother Dustin, uh, I cried. It the, it was magical. Oh, you were there? I was That's there. Awesome. I cried. Also, I think that was the same night the Raptors uh, clinched the playoff, uh, their, their 2019 finals appearance. So I cried multiple times that night. So that was great. And Mike, you'll like this one. I actually... This one is so memorable. And actually, it was actually horrible at the time. No, it was funny at the time. It was a Red Sox-Blue Jays game. And this was not during the uh, halcyon days of the Blue Jays. This was during the mid... Like, there was a long stretch of, like, 10 years of Blue Jays games, which was just the definition of mediocrity. On this particular day, they were getting slaughtered by the Red Sox. And I have a policy where I will not leave a baseball game early. Uh, I did it once, and I missed the greatest comeback in Blue Jays history. Before that, I had never left a game early. And then after that, I said, well, I'm definitely never leaving a game early now. So even with the Toronto Blue Jays getting sloshed by the Red Sox, uh, Will, uh, what's this guy's name? Will Middlebrooks. I don't know if you remember him, Mike. The, is that the three home run game? The three home run game. He ended with like 15 that season. So he hit like three, three out of 15 homers in one game. And I saw them and I'm like, and at that time, I think he had, he had three. I think he like doubled his home run total that day. Anyway. And the, whatever, the, the Jays getting a beating, not special during that time, happened all the time. Uh, but what happened was there was we, there were three streakers in one game. It was such it was such a long, monotonous game. First guy doesn't even get close, immediately gets taken down by security. Second guy, like, kind of, like, almost makes it to the infield. And then by the time we're in the eighth or ninth inning, the secure, everyone's just exhausted. Security just doesn't care anymore. The guy runs all the way, I swear, this is how I remember it, from center field, I guess past the center fielder, all the way to second base slides into second from the outfield and i i'm probably like remembering this wrong now it was so long ago slides into second stands up and i think managed to even like pump both fists in the air in triumph (laughs) before security finally chases him off and i'm like that is sports that is the magic of sports right there i don't don't run into the field people i don't approve it it's it's a horrible thing to do you deserve to be banned from a stadium for life if you do it but that guy was a hero (laughs) i'll say that's amazing that guy was a hero I had been to re- I went to WrestleMania 14 Ooh. when Steve Austin became the WWF champion. That was at oh, the wow. Garden. That With was the, uh, fun Shawn Michaels. As hell. The, the Shawn Michaels, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so that that was one of the best WrestleManias ever. And the other like random wrestling pay per view that I've been to was in Dayton, Ohio, in 1998. My older brother was like, "Do you want to go to the show?" Um, I'll, like I have. He had, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if he had like airplane miles or something, but, uh, he flew me out. He was in college at the time in Pennsylvania and we went to ECW's heat wave 98 okay. in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, that was the event where Bam Bam Bigelow and Taz had their second match oh. and Taz and Bam Bam went through the stage, oh. like not through the ring, you were there through the stage. Life? I was there live for that. That's amazing. It was the most ridiculous paper. That was Mike Awesome. Wow. Uh, Tanaka had a match. Uh, Sabu and Van so Dam. 
uh, against uh, Haku, the, the man who played Hakushi in WWE and uh, Shinsei Shizaki. I forget yeah. Who, yeah, and I forget who the other one was, but that was just a wild ass event. Tommy Dreamer and Sandman versus the Dudleys was the main event. Damn, and we got this to is... see New Jack come out. Yeah, <laughs> this is peak ECW. This is peak. That's peak, peak. ECW. Peak ECW. Damn, uh, that's so pretty cool. It was just random, and I went, and it was the best. It was so much fun. Uh, the ECW crowd was on fire. But that was just a random ass event that I went to, and it was Man. super fun. So, good stuff. Uh, let's go to Tristian. Okay, Tristian. Uh, Tristian. This is an interesting. This is an interesting topic. Um, but who, what the hell? It's uh, ask us anything. Let's go. Uh, now that Vox has shut down Bloody Elbow, what does this say for the future of MMA fighting? So, as you've seen. Bloody Elbow is kind of on the last weeks under the umbrella. Uh, we we saw the news, uh, the founding, the founder Nate Wilcox uh, was laid off as as part of the Vox layoffs, and we've seen, I believe it was Friday, we saw pretty much anybody who works for Bloody Elbow so they got their thirty day notice. So we're not saying anything that isn't public and that you don't already know. Um, and we also have seen and we have heard interviews with members of the Bloody Elbow staff who say, and nothing is official yet and nothing is done, as they, they have all said on social media, that uh, they are going to be hopefully running the site still just outside of the umbrella. Mm-hmm. And they'll basically become independent Bloody Elbow. We, we know what happened to Independent George on <laughs> Seinfeld. Independent Bloody Elbow is, is going to be amazing. The future of MMA fighting, I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel like we're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had meetings, but I obviously can't share any of that stuff. But um, it seems like we're fine. But I, I don't know. I mean, every day is is a new day. It's a weird time in the world. The economy is shit. And it's just kind of where we're at right now. But it seems like we're in a good place. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess that's all I could really say. Yeah. But what I will say also is uh, I feel for the bloody out. I, I feel for all of them. And I know what they do isn't for everybody. Their type of journalism isn't for everybody. They don't care. Um, if the story needs to be told, they will tell it. I, I respect the hell out of those guys and gals who work there, who have been busting their ass for all these years. They are very good at what they do. They have shown me that, there are things I need to improve on. They have shown me that the sport is not the happy-go-lucky sport that I started covering in 2016. And after reading a lot of stuff that they have done and having conversations behind the scenes, they have helped me realize that this place can suck ass like any other place uh, if you really look for it. So, yeah, it sucks for them. Um, I think the site will thrive and be better than ever outside of the umbrella. If we're being honest, I think being outside the umbrella is the best place for them at this point. What I do feel bad for is all the the staffers who, you know, they have to look for other jobs and all that stuff in, in an economy that is just not great. So I do feel from on that end, but I do feel that as a website and it's going to take time for this to get to where they need to go. I actually think this is the best thing for them moving forward. I think it's actually going to turn out to be a very good thing. But I do feel bad for the employees who are going to be looking for new jobs and things like that. And a lot of the things that 
they were doing. It's going to take a lot of funding for them to continue to do. And I, and I feel awful for that as well, but um, yeah, that's what I have to say. What would you like to say? Yeah. It's, I don't want to start naming names because then I'm going to leave people out because that staff is so talented. Uh, they, pro- yeah. they provide a lot of their writers and, and their podcasters provide such important features uh, that again, we just in our in our in our sort of scheduled MMA fighting, we just often don't fit some, fit these things in. Sometimes we cover the same things, especially big important stories. But uh, when it comes to again, you know, talking about some of the misbehavior, uh, and that's using the term. That's a very light term, by the way. I'd say something very very uh, heinous political affiliations that some fighters have overseas. Bloody Elbow was on top of that. Uh, a lot of the financial behind the scenes stuff. Again, we do some of that coverage, but there's a lot of in depth stuff on that in Bloody Elbow. Uh, that, that again, hopefully will continue as Mike said, independently, they have a lot of freedom, which is great, but there's also, you know, this is, there's a change in resources now that they're not under the box umbrella, but hopefully again, they, they find a way to work that out. I want to say, I'm speaking for myself, by the way, cause I do think, cause people go look at my Twitter profile and the one thing I don't call myself and people can might refer to me as this way, but I, I don't really consider myself, at least traditionally speaking, to be a journalist. I'm a journalism alum. I certainly went to sports journalism at uh, the wonderful Centennial College in Toronto. But I don't I, for right now, I will say right now, I don't do a lot of straight up journalistic work. I do a lot of analysis. I do a lot of feature writing. I do a lot of editorial work. That's fine. I'm very proud of it. I'm, I'm a media member. I don't necessarily consider myself a journalist in the traditional sense of what that word means. Bloody Elbow had a lot of journalists, had a lot of quality journalists. Again, I don't want to single anyone out because I'll leave people out. But a lot of the stuff they did there, people that, and the stuff that Mike said, some some fans don't like. They don't want to see those kind of features. Guys, sometimes that's what real journalism is, okay? It is seeing stuff you don't want to see about fighters that you may love, about promotions that you may love. This is valuable work. So you can hate on that concept of Bloody Elbow all you want, but it is important work. And we'll do what we can to pick up the slack but again, we didn't do it like Bloody Elbow, and I don't think anybody did it like Bloody Elbow, and I, and I hope uh, that it does continue. So they're very valuable. And then sort of to the, the initial uh, uh, thrust of the question, uh, yeah, we, do, we don't know. Listen, the, the business is so volatile. You guys have seen what's happening in tech. You guys, I'm telling you, in online writing, from the day I got hired by MMA Fighting, I was over the moon. But... The day I got hired, I took a deep breath. I I, I thought, oh, I, took, I thought about all the amazing people I was working with. And the very next day, I was like, I could be fired tomorrow. I could be released tomorrow. There's so many things in the industry that are out of our control. You can be doing great work. Again, look at Bloody Elbow. That site did not get shut down because people weren't doing great work. There's just behind-the-scenes finances. There's, there's, uh, there's stuff way, way, way up the ladder that affects these decisions. Had nothing to do with the quality of their work. So... Mike can still continue being the best. Damon Martin can still keep being the best. Shaheen he, he Al-Shadi, all the people I work with can still keep doing the best, best, best work they can do. And tomorrow, if the numbers don't add up, guess what? The same thing could happen to us. I don't think it's going to happen to enemy fighting anytime soon. But, from like I said, from day one I got into this industry, I said my job security is nowhere close to 100%. It's nowhere close to 90%. It's nowhere close to 80%. We're doing our best work, and we love it. But boy, I'll tell you, it, we, anything could change. Anything could change tomorrow. So uh, that's really is the only answer we can give you. But yes, yeah, so, as long as we, we can, but we're not. We don't think we're going anywhere. And uh, we appreciate people asking and, and having nice, uh, nice things to say about Buddy Elbow as well. Yes, uh, well said. I, I, I stand by everything you said, uh, including the 
every day is kind of a struggle in, in, in some senses because mm. I mean, literally the first day I started with MMA fighting, everything shut down. Oh, yeah. it was, everything shut oh, down. It was, right. it was the official. It was the official white flag <laughs> waving day of COVID nineteen. That all right, this is actually a thing, and we're shutting everything down. And I'm like, what? So I was like, what an auspicious time to start. And then we had layoffs like two weeks later. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, it, like, it just was the way that it was. And I, there have been a few layoffs as you've probably seen in the news. Like, none of this is none of this is behind the scenes, behind the curtain stuff. You all know about this. Um, so yeah, it's been it's it's been an interesting road, that's for sure. But we wish everybody over Bloody Elbow the best. And I know they're gonna land on their feet mm-hmm. because they all kick ass over there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and I do really think this site's going to thrive um, being independent Bloody Elbow. Just like Independent George was his best George Costanza, Independent Bloody Elbow is going to be something else. To you, my friend. Oh, is that me now? It's you. Oh, I'm sorry. That, yeah, that was such a that was such a uh, involved question. I forgot whose it was. Okay, uh, where do I jump around here? Where do I jump around? Okay, let's talk about... Should we talk about... Uh, no, I already kind of did a non. Let's go back to fighting a little bit. Hmm... Okay, let's keep this up. Barry O'Reilly, our pal, our man in, in Ireland. Please rank these undefeated fighters. He's doubling up here, so we can do a, do a couple of quick hits here. Please rank these undefeated fighters by chances of them becoming champion, UFC champion. Mikhaev Basharat, Avloyev, Lerone Murphy, who we just mentioned, Ilya Topuria, and Ian Gary. Okay, I'm going to have to write this down. Mikhaev, Javid Basharat, Avloyev, Lerone Murphy, Topuria, Gary. Hmm. Hmm. Mahamukai is number one. Yes. Mahamukai is number one. Hard to agree. This might be a little bit of a hot take, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it. It's not that hot takey, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it because I actually think the timing is actually gonna line up better for this gentleman. Number two is Bob Zarovloyev. Number three, Ilya Taporia, who's right there. I just feel like I feel like Ilya is going to run into Volk when Volk is still number one pound for pound fighter in the world, Volk. Ooh. And it's going to be just the timing is just not going to be great. And I feel like by the time Evloev gets a title shot, Volk will either like it'll be clear that he's sliding a little bit or he won't be the champion by the time Evloev actually gets to a title fight. Because I feel like his road is going to be a little bit longer. And I feel like Tapori is a win away from getting a title fight. And Avloyev is just going to continue to get better and better, as will Taporia. Then I will go with... God, I mean, these are all these are all really good. I'll go with... I'll go with Lerone Murphy. Because I feel like if he beats Nathaniel Wood, he's going to get a bit of a push. <sighs> Ian Gary, Javid Basharat. Ian Gary, you have Ian. Oh, you have Javid last. Yes. Okay. And I'm not gonna say he's last. I have him sixth of a very strong list. Javid Bashar could fight for a belt. Mm-hmm. He's just in a division where it's gonna take him forever. Mm-hmm. Ian Gary, by the time the UFC is just like, okay, we've seen everything we need to see as far as building him up. They're just going to launch him to the stratosphere. Right. And I do think with his skill set, even though he's a little green as a pro. This kid's gonna be something special. Like I truly believe that. I I I'm very impressed with Ian Gary. I just think like I think they're going to build him very very slowly. 
very slowly. Okay, my list would look similar. I have Maka- I would have I would have Topuria second. So I go Makayev, Topuria, Evloyev. That's sort of my stronger three, and then Murphy, Javid, and Ian Gary are sort of more on the outside. So my, I think a notch, a clear notch below. I'll say this though, Mike, and I, I'm going to say that I'm, I'm going to say a bold thing, and I reserve the right to one change my mind and two pretend that I never said this. I think there's a really good chance none of these guys ever win a UFC title. Wow. I'm not... I, people know I have not been jumping on the Makayev double champ, you know, two champ. He's so young. I need to see more. The skill set is clearly there. But there's something to be said about maturity. There's something to be said about physical maturity and just getting those reps in there. Yeah, he has a ton of amateur experience. That's great. Um, that certainly counts. He's way more experienced than the average fighter who has whatever, 10, 11 fights. <clears throat> You, you, he's really a twenty-something fight veteran, so I, I get it. I get it. It's not. It's not just a pro experience. But if I were to bet, if someone is gun to my head, will one of these guys win a UFC title? I will say for now. I will say right now, and it could change my mind depending on how Makayev's next couple. I need to see like a couple of his next two fights go because we know he's getting kind of a walkover in his next fight. I don't think they, I, any of these guys get it done. I, lo- I, I, I love. I'm gonna. AK. I'm gonna put it. I'm put it on tape for now. I'm gonna put it on tape for now. I can. I can change my mind. I could change my mind de- de- depending how uh, Makayev's 2023 goes. But that's where I'm going right now, dude. That uh, listen. I love. I love the take. Absolutely love. The and take. Mike, let me give Barry. I like. Uh, I like it. You could be right. I could be. I not often, but I could be. Uh, let's do a quick answer for a second question. Who could benefit the most from a change of division? What fighter do you think fans could benefit most from from seeing change divisions? That fans would benefit the most. Uh, it's, it's a t- he's like asking two questions, but I'll say like kind of lump it into one. Like, what what would be one that the fighter would benefit, and it also be fun. I, that also be fun for like the fans to see. I think you kind of suggested one already, Max Holloway. Max Holloway, yeah, Max, Max Holloway, Holloway for the, the eventually, and then eventually lead into a fight with Jim Miller at UFC UFC three hundred, and he would definitely benefit as well because we know that cut to one forty five as he as he's gotten older just sucks. I mean, it was never fun. And it just totally sucks ass now. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a huge he's huge. He's, he'd be a big fifty fiver. Yeah, he'd be a big fifty fiver. So yeah, Holloway's my guy. <sighs> We're about to see Volkanovski go up to one forty five. Maybe he's the answer. Um, that's uh, one fifty five. Excuse me. I don't want to like light heavyweight. Heavyweight's too obvious. Again, you know, whatever we could talk about, Giles and changing up divisions, but he's kind of fighting in two divisions as it is. Uh, is one of one of the women fighters? Maybe no, maybe Valentina going up. Finally, make commit, committing to bantamweight because it would just be all. If, <laughs> if Valentina goes up to bantamweight, went up to bantamweight and beat Amanda Nunes, and then Nunes like retired, there is you, there is no one. I'm trying to look at anyone at women's 135 that would have a chance against Valentina outside of Nunes. There's no, like there's no one close. <laughs> Shevchenko could rack up 20 straight title defenses at 135. If she chose, if she chose to like never retire, she could defend that title twenty five straight times in the one thirty five division. There's no one that could beat her. I'll tell you what, the correct answer might be Juliana Pena moving up to one forty five. If she just says like, you know what, I'm a forty five or not, and Amanda Nunes be like, well, you know, I, like I don't think she should get a title shot, but I don't want to cut weight. Maybe, maybe it could be her. Mike, we're talking about real divisions, okay? We're talking about real divisions that exist, <laughs> wow. that exist, and have rankings, and are promoted by. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I would love to see, again if Valentina just ever gets tired of cutting weight and wants to say, "Oh, I want to go where I can def- be a, a minus twenty five hundred favorite in every one of my fights." Just go up to one thirty five. <laughs> no one's going to touch her for sure. Uh, so this is 
Yeah, I'll go with this one. Dan I, I, Dan asks, uh, I know big chunks of this answer would be working and covering the sport of MMA, but what does a typical day look like for each of yeah, you? Yeah, I got this one too. I got this also from Mr. Ned Higgins. Ned, thanks for sending this question as well. And he wants like the inside baseball take. And I said, listen, I'm mostly a house mouse. Uh, my day is pretty... I, I don't travel much, so I, I like being a house mouse. I've said this many times on, on other shows. Uh, so my day is pretty simple. I do a lot of notes prep for sure. I take a ton of notes. Uh, you know, I make myself look pretty for our shows, but I don't do a lot. Uh, one of the questions uh, Ned also asked is how is how slash when do you sleep? Uh, sleep is a little tricky to come by, especially during the fight weekends. Mike, we have Mike. I don't know what we're doing next week, by the way, for uh, UFC South Korea, aka UFC Vegas sixty nine or whatever it is. Bellator, Bellator. <laughs> yes. Uh, that is the one night, by the way, we're all going to be clamoring to rather be on Bellator duty than UFC Vegas duty. Because that's going to end at, what, like 3 in the morning? The UFC Vegas card? Like, at Eastern time? 3, four, three four. Four. 4. Are you and I doing yeah. on to the next one around the regular time? Can we push it to the afternoon that day? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, we can. Right. We, normally, we normally record about 10 or 11 on Sunday uh, Eastern time. I think we might want to push that one back. I don't know what state I'm going to be in if I have to cover so sleep well especially with the paper the pay-per-view the next week and it's going to be like the same type of schedule uh-huh. and we're going to be going live the next yeah. like there's no moving that around yeah, yeah. so so mike specifically yeah. i would say for your for your answer from a pay-per-view thing because now you're jet set now you're you're not just south carolina mike now you are now also sometimes new york mike because you are doing the <laughs> you're, you're you are doing the uh the watch-alongs now in the ma our studio the fox media studios so what is your pay-per-view weekend like now Okay, so so starting on Saturday, I wake up at about three forty-five. I take a shower. I usually shave the head, and then I, you know, the brush the teeth, all that stuff. And then I just run out the door. Uh, I run right to the airport, check the bag if I if I'm checking one. Go and get my coffee. Hop on a plane and go. This past Saturday, three forty-five. Hold on, you get up. Wait, wait, wait. You get up. What time you say? I get up at three forty-five in the morning. I get up at three forty-five in the morning. In the morning to catch a flight uh, early yes. to catch an early morning flight to New York. Yes, Holy my sh- flight's usually between six a.m. Sometimes it's five fifty-five. Sometimes it's six thirty. But no, I mean, do you just that. stay up at that point? Do you even try to sleep? At, uh, do you just stay up? I usually don't at all. Okay, like I, I try. Like maybe I'll nap for an yeah. hour and then the dog will bark. And once that happens, just I'm get just like, up. Right, and well, I ain't back to get sleep. ready to go. I'll yeah. watch The Office or Seinfeld for a few episodes, and I'll just get. I up want people to shower. listen. To this. this man's getting up at three forty-five so he can be in New York for the watch long. Okay, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, that I fly to New York and catch the uber go to the hotel hope the hotel that i'm staying at is in a good mood and i try to butter them up with with sweet compliments and hope you're having a great day and be just be polite because i don't want to pay the extra fees to check in early and sometimes you have to and other times they don't have rooms available but if you're nice and you say nice things they will let you know like as soon as possible when that room opens up so luckily for me got there room opened up there's they had one room left and that I said nice things. I'm like, you know, well, it's a little bit of an upgrade, but we'll let you have it. So I went up to the room. Um, I will say this: I have for the last seven weeks or so, almost two months. Uh, I have been a CrossFit nerd. I got into CrossFit. I got a two week trial membership to a place about ten minutes away from me, which is about fifteen minutes less from the gym I was working at before. 
And I went in there and I tried a class and then I tried another and I went for two weeks straight. I missed, I went six days a week, both times. And as soon as the trial was over, I canceled my gym membership and I started traveling for holidays and stuff. I went to Massachusetts, I went to Florida. And by the time the holiday travel ended, I was just like, I'm all in, take my money. Like this is what I'm doing. So when I got to New York on Saturday, I scouted out whether or not there was a CrossFit gym like near where I was staying. And it turned out there was a CrossFit gym, like literally a three minute walk from where I was staying. And I was like, this is awesome. So I go and I ask them and they're like, yeah, you come in and just like try the class. I'm like, well, how much is it? Like, no, just come in and try it. I was like, all right, sweet. So I got to do a free CrossFit class. It kicked the living shit out of me. It was so brutal. Uh, it was freezing cold. So it was not only like hard stuff inside, but it involved running outside in the freezing cold weather. So that wasn't great. Um, but it was a really good workout. And I went back, had some lunch. And by the time that was all over, I took another shower and then I walked on over to the studio, did the show. What, what, t- what show time did you get ends. to the studio? What, how, how early did you have to get at the stu- to the studio? I got there at 6.30. 6.30. So, so uh, and you, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So we go in, we do like a... We're testing everything out, making sure everything's working. We do like run throughs. Uh, we're kind of going through like how the flow is going to yeah. go because we're trying different things, right? We're doing the open the packs of cards. We're playing the video game. We're doing this, that, and the other thing. Who's coming on? When are they coming on? And we're trying to organize all of it. And then we usually go live at 9.45. We j- it just flies right by. And then it's showtime. We go until it's over. And then it ends and we... Do we need to do? Usually I run right to the restroom because I haven't gone in like seven hours. And then I just run across the street back to the hotel to do the post-fight show and then or the press conference, whatever's happening. And then I put that all together, do the podcast. It's like 530 in the morning. And then I go to sleep. The alarm goes off at 730 on that Sunday morning. And I bet some of you think I'm crazy. But here's the thing. The hotel that I stay at, there's like 44 floors and three elevators three elevators if you don't time this right you could sit in the lobby waiting for an elevator for 45 minutes 45 minutes does this happen to you three elevators yes so now i'm like 7 30 i'm getting up i shower i pack up all my stuff and i make sure i go downstairs by like 9 30 by 9 30 like any later than that you are waiting. So 9.30, I hit the button. Usually wait like 10 or 15 minutes because what happens is you finally get that ding that you've been waiting to hear. Oh, my elevator's here. And then it opens and there's like 87 people on it and you can't get in. And I'm just like, ugh. And I learned that lesson. And then there's a Dunkin' Donuts right down the street. So I'll run downstairs. I'll get my coffee or coffees in some regard. And then I will run back and I will check out. And then I will do sit in the lobby for hours waiting for on to the next one to start doing on to the next one, producing it for the pod network, uh, which takes an awful long time. Cause we have to download the video, the live video from YouTube, which takes an hour to do. Mm -hmm. And then we do all that. And then I just go and find a bite. I go walk around, try to find a place to get some lunch, watch a little sports. And then I Uber to the airport and I fly home. So I sleep between Friday night and by the time I get home, I sleep for like three hours total. It's it's tough. Such a rock star. You're such a rock star. So people people who just watch the watch along and are like, oh, what a what a fun time, what an easy time that Mike is having. He just shows up and gets paid to watch MMA. <laughs> like 
you guys don't know how much crap is going on around to get that all set up and what and again and then after and then heading home after so he can go see him, see his his beautiful wife and child and dog it is a ordeal man like i said i work from home i'm pretty good for the most part uh so but mike and some of the other guys who have to travel jose young's i mean my god he's our, he's been our man on the on the street for yeah. the majority of the events for the past like three years it is wild stuff so if you guys but as you know, i've said as i said many times i would rather do the watch party than actually be at the event on mm, night. Mm. it's like fun. seriously like if i'm at a cup yeah if 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 MMA fighting was like, Mike, I just want you to go out for like the pre-fight week stuff and then fly to New York for the watch party. Like, that'd be awesome. I would do that in a heartbeat and just not be in the arena for the fights. Like, so much Let me add on to this question while we're talking about personal stuff. We had a few people, I think, and people ask us every show, like every show. uh, Updates on our friendship, Mike. Are you guys really best friends? (laughs) I think I saw someone. Is there a plan to meet up? So, one, yes, we are really best friends. Two, no, we still have not met. Three, do we have plans to meet up? I hope let's Mike, let's God I let's hope speak so. this into existence. I will I, I will do it now. I will come to South Carolina this year. Let's I, go. I, I, I probably shouldn't it. be making promises like that. I am uh, I am in a relationship now. Uh, I don't know if my girlfriend will want. To, she'll probably want to be. South, I've been to North Carolina. One of the greatest experiences of my life. She could come. Absolutely. Uh, she she we're you know listen we're Canadian but we we uh, we hate cold weather so I'm not saying I don't know I mean, you know maybe it happens this winter I don't know but if I uh, summer would be a great time to travel to. She's uh, she's in education so she gets that whole you know two month whatever that summer vacation off. My wife is too. So common ground. Look at this. For the Look ladies. at this. So I'm going to speak into this. I, I never make promises, Mike. You know me. I never make promises. But I also believe in saying you'll do something and that kind of making the gears go in motion. I will meet Mike Heck in person this year. I will go. I will go to South Carolina. I will go to South Carolina. Even if I can't get the time off. I'll, whatever. Bring my laptop with me. We'll, we'll, we'll set up a little office. Yes. We'll work. We'll go out later after work. Okay. AK, across from where I'm looking right now is another desk and another computer. Oh, my God. There we go. It could be our headquarters. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, again, no promises. I'm not, Viewers, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but I definitely like say, saying something will happen because I think that helps. I think I think if you keep putting something off forever, then it, it just doesn't get done. And you, if you don't even think about it, speaking it to existence, I will, I will go to South Carolina and I will meet Mike in person this year. Oh, man. That's amazing. The only people... The only people from the site that I've actually met in person... I've met Casey in person, but that was before MMA mm-hmm. fighting. Uh, I've met Jose in person a bunch. Uh, and the only other the only other staff member that I've met in person is Jed Mishu. I've also met Jed. Yeah, he came to Toronto. Jed came, came, Jed's parents live probably like 20 minutes from where oh, I right. live. So he, ca- he came up and visited, and we, uh, we, played, we played some golf. We played 18 holes yeah, of golf. It was a wonderful day. It was a wonderful day. And Jed is the exact same dude that is on oh, yeah. the That's not a character. That's not a character. He's just... It's not a gimmick. not doing a bit. It is not a gimmick. That would be amazing if we could make that happen. Absolutely. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll do mm-hmm. this one. Did you enjoy the Royal Rumble? Did you watch it, Mike? That's trending right now. It? I did watch it. I watched the entire thing. Did you enjoy the Royal Rumble? I really did. I said, like I tell people, I'm an AEW guy, but I definitely come around for the Rumble every year. I I, I haven't been keeping up with WrestleMania. Uh, In general, I do keep up with the results. 
I thought both Rumbles were really well done, really fun. I'm not saying either of them were like all-time classics. Um, They're pretty light on surprises, but just as far as like execution, well-booked, making uh, good wrestlers look strong, like uh, Gunter, you know, some people might not remember him as Walter. Uh, now Gunter looked fantastic in the Men's Royal Rumble. Um, Rhea Ripley, who won the second Rumble, looked amazing. For, she was what her and Liv Morgan went the distance from one and two all the way to the end. Both women looked great. Um so yeah, just from a logical, strong booking standpoint, some great moments. The Logan Paul, Ricochet, friggin' Dude, Matrix, insane. two guys just nodding their heads like, let's let's literally fly into the air and throw our bodies at each other and see what happens. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. So <laughs> it made no it literally made I'm I'm watching them talk to each other and I'm like, they are not just gonna jump off yeah. the top rope and collide because what's like why would anyone yeah. do that? Why? In this match in particular, and they're just like, okay, let's do it. And they did it. I was like, wow, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but it was awesome. The only it was awesome. The only thing that made me so angry was so Mike, I did I don't know if you did a rumble pool this year. I did not okay. do a rumble pool. I had number twenty I think he came in uh I want to say twenty nine or twenty eight. So I had his number Logan Paul was my last best chance to win. And he does that spot <laughs> and then disappears. And then I saw the commentators are, are doing the oh, this is who's left, not mentioning Logan Paul. And I'm like, I, I you know, we're keeping detailed notes so we've got our pool going. I'm like and I was asking, I'm like, did Paul did Logan Paul get thrown out? And I'm like and I'm like, he didn't get thrown out. The commentators are doing a misdirection thing. And I said, This would be the ultimate troll. Cody Rhodes wins. Logan Paul comes off from behind, throws him out, and I'm like, the crowd would just, wow. the crowd would just boo his ass out of the building. The heat would be nuclear. Instead, he shows up when there's like three people left and throws one guy out. And I'm like, Logan Paul, you friggin' rookie, you you could have waited till the very very. Why are you coming in with three people left? You could have waited till the very end and won me money. It's the only thing that spoiled it for me. Otherwise, if just talking about the two Rumbles, both 8 out of 10 are better. Very solid Rumbles. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Mike? Rumbles are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was pretty obvious once Sami Zayn didn't appear yeah. that Cody was definitely going to mm-hmm. win. Because I was curious how they were going to handle that. If Sami was in the Rumble, like, if Cody won, would he get booed out of the building? Because <laughs> right. I actually think I actually think there's a chance he mm-hmm. would have. Uh, if Sam, but then I was like, all right, th- this whatever happens in this main event is going to be spectacular or just riveting stuff. The Bray Wyatt match was. <laughs> you awful. didn't enjoy. Uh, I mean, that was Mountain Dew. Was Mountain horrendous. Dew Pitch Black uh, in a store near you. Oh man! <laughs> all fine uh, gas Poor. gas stations and. Uh, <laughs> Poor L.A. Knight. Poor L.A. Knight, who is going to be, who, who who I believe could be a big star for them, like a legit star for them, just gets, I mean, dump trucked. And it's and then Uncle Uncle Howdy or Uncle Duty just dives dives off the balcony and misses L.A. Knight by like a football field. And it goes through like a bunch of cardboard boxes, which somehow set off fireworks. I mean, this was this was AEW exploding ring I, type shit. I love stupid shit in wrestling. People know that. I love stupid shit in wrestling. <laughs> this was not good stupid shit. <laughs> this, this, this was bad. bad. Like really, the whole concept really bad. was bad. Like you said, the big moment where he's supposed to jump through the table, completely mit- hor- horrible. <laughs> Just horrible from beginning to end. It was real bad. It was hilarious. It was real bad. Uh, and then the main, like the main event match, mm-hmm. Reigns and Owens was. I mean, I go, I get it. I mean, we're we're telling a story, we're building up to the mm-hmm. moment, and then the moment afterwards, which just seemed like 
it seemed like it took forever, it but it was still so riveting. Oh. Like I, I was sitting there just watching Kevin Owens getting handcuffed and kicked in the face over and over again. I'm just like, eh, it's a little excessive. Like I'm glad my kid's not watching this mm. with me because he'd be like, what the hell is going on mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. now? Uh, but that moment when Sami Zayn hit Roman with the chair, much like Seth Rollins hit Roman with, much like the the Shield breakup, uh, the crowd reaction was incredible. It was amazing. He made his choice, and like Sammy just played it off so well. Um, riveting stuff. I know Jed Mishu hated it. Did he? I saw him on Twitter. What? Uh, he was not a fan of it. He thought it took forever. He thought it was terrible. Oh, he was DMing me about yeah. the the rumbles, which he seemed to enjoy, and I didn't get his. I didn't see his thoughts on the actual like the matches, just like the the individual matches. Oh, okay, interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to watch it. Uh, I'll pull up his tweet. Is this normal for a wrestling event? 15-minute post-match storytelling that <laughs> yes. can be done in two? This shit is terrible. No. So, I, again, like I said, I have not been keeping up WWE, but every I have a lot of, obviously, people who follow MMA and pro wrestling on my feed, and everyone was saying, like, this Bloodline storyline is, like, one of the best storylines that WWE has done in, like, years. Like, it's just phenomenal. And so I'm like, cool, okay, this will kind of be my first chance to re- I've seen, like, highlights and seen some segments. I love Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, all those guys. So I'm like, you know, I just don't have time to watch WWE, but I do I do enjoy some of the stuff I've seen. And I was riveted. Yeah, it certainly dragged on very, very, very long. No question, it dragged. But I really thought they, they, they wrung every ounce of drama out of it that they could. And I thought it was super well done. So, listen, WWE takes a lot of crap for supposedly not being able to tell long-term stories. It's a strength of AEW. AEW does a pretty good job with it. WWE usually gets criticized for not doing it, but this Roman Reigns bloodline storyline has been going on for like three, like two years. He's been the champion for two years. They've kind of been putting pieces together, the bloodline storyline, and I kind of feel kind of bad. I missed most of it, but from what I saw in Rumble, I'm like, oh, I see why people are so high. Incredible. Real, the drama was great. I mean, that is that is pro wrestling drama. If you don't like pro wrestling, obviously, whatever. You're just going to be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But if you're you know invested, if you're even kind of invested in it, phenomenal stuff phenomenal stuff i'll tell you one thing i'll tell you one thing that annoyed the shit out of me about that ending um and AEW does this all Mm -hmm. the time and it drives Mm -hmm. me crazy um especially in this card because how many times how many times during the royal rumble event did adam pierce and like a bunch of rando security people come out and just separate (laughs) stuff but there is a near i mean there is there is but this is happening and nobody comes out. <laughs> nobody so- comes out. And look, I, I understand. I understand we're storytelling, but at least send them out and have like Roman yeah, and the he, crew just he beat has, up. The he has guys. a whole team to like just start beating them up. Exactly. Yeah, you would think this is the perfect time. Like, what are we doing here? Like they're sitting there for fifteen minutes yes. watching Kevin Owens just get kicked in the face over and over again. And no one's coming out to help he, them. But, he, like, <laughs> if Beth Phoenix spears Rhea Ripley oh, once we gotta get out on there. the aisle, we gotta, stop. we gotta get out there. We gotta break the so my, <laughs> Like, that that stuff drives me my insane. Own, and AEW does it all the time. My too, only, but I, I, just one thing. That my only defense bad. for it was that because they had their their efforts to break up the the, the brawls twice earlier in the show had, had proven futile. They were just like, screw it. We're not going out there. <laughs> And as you said, you know what? He's got a whole gang. If we're going to go out there, we're just getting our asses beat. We've already put our, our lives in line twice. If people don't want to listen to us, screw them. Screw them. You know, Adam <laughs> Pierce was like, no, no, we tried. This is how it's going to be. Back. Stay back. We don't get, we, we did our job. We did. So yeah, that's the, oh, we were talking about this as with my friends as I was watching the show. I'm like, yeah, why is security not coming out? We literally saw them come out twice, but I just laughed. I was like, yeah, but yeah, for sure. A big, big logic. Incredible. Just to touch upon this real quickly. I saw, I know you got a question from Stanley asking, is the UFC or MMA bigger than pro wrestling? 
n- no. It's no. No. It's not even close. It's not even close. And I think the the tail end of that question is, will it ever get uh-huh. there? No, it won't. It won't. Uh, with a, it just I'll won't. say, I, I think you have to go demographics for sure. I do think there's certainly an older portion of combat sports fans who do prefer MMA. Um, not universally. There's a lot of older MMA, uh, wrestling fans as well, for sure. I'm a fan of both, right? So it's hard for me to say I'm a fan of both. Uh, definitely along the younger crowd. I mean, pro wrestling just so much bigger. It, it, it's catered. It's catered to your crowd. WWE, look, they went PG like 10 years ago. A lot of people criticize them for it. There's a reason they did. Sorry, they listen. They went back after the kids, you know, they went, that sounds so bad. They went back the kids. But they went back for that younger audience that they had uh, in the 80s, you know, with Hulk Hogan. And guess what? They got him back with like John Cena and then some of these. So it it's, has a much wider age range. It just appeals to a, to a younger group of fans. Uh, UFC made some strides with that when Conor McGregor happened. Sure, you got some younger fans in there. Uh, Sean O'Malley now, I think, is someone who's getting there. But that's like, again, I'm naming one or two guys as opposed to a whole product that really appeals. And then you talk about like a Bellator, PFL. I think they have like no traction with the younger audience. It's really just UFC. So, um, and, and, and again, listen, I don't know if it'll never get there, but pro wrestling has such a big start. I mean, pro wrestling has been a marquee main event headlining attraction at stadiums, at arenas since the early 1900s, since the turn of the century. MMA has only been a mainstream thing since the 1990s, right? I mean, this is maybe late eight. I don't know. I don't know which events you want to call MMA. Maybe late 80s. Um, even then, nothing compared to pro wrestling. So pro, pro wrestling, certainly on a global scale and a broader scale, um, is bigger than than MMA. Uh, especially if you go by like the mom test, my mom can name way more pro wrestlers than she can name like MMA fighters, other than maybe Connor and Rousey. That's about it. Yeah, if you asked me this question like three months ago, I would have said there's a case to it. But and I hate to go back, like I, I'm going back to the Dana White situation oh, from earlier from from New Year's right. Eve. But the reaction to it and who covered it and who didn't, and the reaction from other sports was just. I mean, it told me every, it was just like, wow, maybe the sport isn't as big as I thought it was. And again, it's a baby and it's getting Mm -hmm. there. And what the UFC has done has been from a business sense is friggin' insane. Um, But there's just no way, like even watching the rumble last night, one of the first things I thought of was, could the UFC go to San Antonio at the Alamo dome right now and sell that place out? And the answer is no, I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I, I said this about AEW too because AEW look they're doing really well for the for the clear number two promotion in North America. A great great job. But I, I was like I remember when I was at like they're doing their first few pay per views. I'm like oh wow I can't believe they sold out this venue. Then three months later they sold out another venue. This is before they had a weekly show. I was like this is doing great. And then I was like WWE literally sells out two arenas for Raw and SmackDown every week. Two arenas every week. Yep. Plus they do house shows, which do, you know, not, they're not as big venues, but like, you know, whatever, in the thousands. This is every week. They're selling out huge venues and selling out smaller venues every week. Again, again, AW can't match this. UFC certainly cannot. UFC's just amazing. They're doing now almost a weekly events and selling out again. Well, they have the Apex. We'll see what they, what they get out of the Apex. Brazil, that just no way 283 is a sellout. Yeah, no they way. call that a sellout. Flat out lie. Um, so yeah, all, all you have to say is, look, if you're just looking at the very top, top, top of the pro wrestling world, you look at WWE, they literally sell out two arenas every week. <laughs> so dude, they sell out, crazy. they, they, they don't, they didn't sell out WrestleMania last mm-hmm. year, but they did like 75,000 night one. Insane. And then the next night they did like 67,000. That's insane. The UFC could not do Rumble, that. I th- they could Rumble, do I think, yesterday they announced over 50,000. I got it. 51,000. Yeah, they might fudge, 51, they might fudge the- SummerSlam. Yeah. 
Yeah, SummerSlam is like forty to fifty thousand because now now they're doing. It's not just Mania getting the stadium treatment. Now all of them mm-hmm. are getting. Now like the majors are getting SummerSlam, yeah. Rumble, all getting major arenas. Survivor Series is still a little bit smaller. They're at the the Garden in Boston for for that event, but SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and Rumble are like week long experience things with ma- and massive stadiums, not arenas, friggin' stadiums. And I just outside of like. Connor, it, maybe maybe Connor versus Nate could could get forty thousand people in the Alamo Dome, but they're not. No fight. I, I mean, if you go to Australia, it's mm-hmm. different. Like, there's certain regional mm-hmm. venues they can go to because they, and they've proven it. Toronto, they had a big yep. crowd. Australia, they had a big crowd. But it, here in the states, it's just not. It's not happening. They're not going. They're not going to the Ram Stadium and putting seventy thousand people in the seats. They're not doing it. Sorry, it's not. Yeah, happening. it is. Uh... It's just again. There's history. There's the the broadest, and then you go globally. I mean, look, India. WWE is fucking enormous in India. It is huge. Uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. MMA is just starting to like get traction in India. Uh, Japan, of course. Listen, oh, MMA is huge there still, but I mean, pro wrestling is bigger uh, there as well. There's such a long, enormously long history of pro wrestling. Um, so yeah, once you go uh, around the world, France. Listen, France just like legalized MMA. WWE's big in France, so. It's it's not close right now. I mean, even just considering WWE, and then you add in AW, all the other pro wrestling promotions out there. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to say it can never happen, but it would take a legitimate cultural shift. So anyway, Mike, we probably scared a lot of people off away with this pro wrestling. We've been talking about wrestling now for like. Nah, so nah. Uh, what do you? Let's maybe a couple more. A uh, couple more before we. Yeah. yeah what do you got? Do, yeah. I think I did. I just. Have, oh no, we, we combined. Yeah. So you got to kind of go to my list now. Uh, grab grab anything that tickles your. Yeah, face. I'm going so, to your list. You I, 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 I'm yeah, going. Let's get a couple more. Uh, what do you think Bo Nickel's ceiling is, and where do you think his skill level is oh, now? Okay. This is from Thomas okay. Holt. Uh, of course, Bo Nickel will be making his UFC debut uh, March 4th in Las Vegas at UFC 285. I don't want to disrespect Alex Pereira because, and, and, and I just said about Makaya, there's something to be said about practical fight experience, you know, really needing to see how you how you do when you're in against elite competition. And Bo Nickel has fought whatever guides they're nowhere near the level of a world champion of a, of a high level ufc fighter but it is so hard not to see his skill set and again take into account his 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 championship wrestling career that is combat sports he's not the only ncaa wrestling champion to enter mma i, I understand that we've seen them come into the sport we've seen some guys falter but one he's one his resume is among the best ever uh in collegiate wrestling and two the eye test seeing how he is committed himself to mma he just looks like a guy who has fought more than whatever two or three times two times as a pro he looks like a guy who's fought 10 times he performs and finishes like a guy who's fought 10 times athleticism is a big thing we always talk about athleticism boy he's a plus athlete uh middleweight is a mixed bag of athletes there you got some good athletes in there a lot of the times some guys are just pretty average bo nickel already just by being a plus athlete is like a top 10 most talented fighter in that division and <clears throat> You could, like, a fight with him and, and Poatan would legitimately be interesting. I'm sure Alex Pereira would be favored. Maybe even, you know, open at 3-1, to one, but I think some money would come in on Bo. We talked to earlier that list of guys, like, will they be future champions? If Bo was on that list, I would put him over Makayev. I think Bo Nickel is... And again, this is based on division. I also think, like, the competition that Makayev would have to fight at flyweight and at bantamweight is tougher than Bo Nickel might have fight at middleweight. So taking all that into account, I mean, his skill level super high right now. Obviously, a lot to learn, but his ceiling uh, doesn't have one. 
<laughs> I think could be UFC champion by 2024, even by the end of the year, if something funny happens. I don't know. But if you told me Bo Nickel's a champ by 2024, I would gladly put money on that. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's kind of in the same place. We're all very high on him. We expect a lot from him. Seems like he could thrive in that pressure that is being bestowed upon him. I think he beats Jamie Pickett, but I also think Jamie Pickett can give him some challenges potentially, especially on the feet. But yeah, I, I think this is going to be a big a big year for Bo Nickel. I think he'll probably be ranked by the end of it. I think the UFC is going to push him very quickly. What I said about Ian Gary, I don't think they're going to do that with him where they slow roll him. I think they'll go from Pickett to a little bit of a step up to a top 15 guy like in his third fight. I, I don't think they're going to mess around too, too much. You don't want to push him too quickly. You don't want him to beat Jamie Pickett and then you chuck him in there with Marvin Vittori because that's just not the smartest thing to do. But yeah, I think he'll do that. Get a guy like in the top 30. And then if he passes that test, then we go right into the top 15. Throw him in there with like Gregory Rodriguez or something like that. Beat, you beat, uh, beat Greg Cop. Then you're yeah, good to that's go. a great. And we'll we'll just we'll just strap the rock and see after great, that. But, yeah, we're all very high great on him, right? Yeah, it's hard not to be. And again, we've seen guys flame out. I specifically mentioned NCAA wrestling champions. Sure, it doesn't always translate, but this is an eye test thing. This is a you have to have watched his fights. And there's a big difference between him and some other wrestling champions who have come in like just with wrestling and done well, but obviously never quite rounded out their game. His game looks very solid all around right now. I'm not saying he's an A plus striker. I'm not saying his MMA grappling is A plus, but boy, he's looks like he could get there and, and not too far into the future. Mike, Kyle Hank Levy wants to know, I like this question, better all-time legacy, and, you know, their legacies aren't over, their careers aren't over yet, but so far, Dustin Poirier or uh, Tony Ferguson, and who would win in their respective primes? So first, better all-time legacy. If Let's say neither guy fought again, both guys tomorrow said, I'm retiring. Who's got the better all-time legacy? That's a great it's really question. Good. It's Dustin Poirier, though. I think it's Dustin Poirier. Quick, quick thoughts. Quick I thoughts. I think it's one. Dustin Poirier. He's got the two Connor wins. The his, I mean, the losses are tough. Losing to to Charles the way he did. He just never won the big one, and Tony never won the big one either. Like he won an he he won an interim title fight against Kevin Lee. We never got to see the Habib fight, but at least like we got to see Dustin get his opportunities. Like. Dustin Fahabibi lost. Fought Oliveira, had his moments. He's got wins over Justin Gaethje. He's got wins over all these dudes. Plus, like, I think that the Connor wins just kind of put it over the top. And then him going in there and fighting Michael Chandler and just kind of putting the boots to him and stopping him in the third round after a tough second. Like, Poirier giving back to the community. And I don't know. I, I just feel like, I feel like the back nine of his career has aged. I mean, it's. I mean, this is not an actual debate at all. The, the he's on the back nine. He's said it many times. He's on the back nine, but still, his career and his legacy continues to age extremely well. While the back nine of Tony's has not aged well at all, it's been pretty bad, and we're we're to the point where whether or not we feel like Tony Ferguson should fight Conor McGregor for his own safety. And it's just not a discussion that I thought we'd be having about this guy two years ago. So better all time legacy. I'm going to go with Dustin Poirier crazier career. It's Tony Ferguson by a long shot, but better all time legacy. Like 
if there was an MMA Hall of Fame and both guys retired now, they would probably be both voted in the first mm-hmm. class. But if it didn't end up that way, you can only take one. I think Poirier gets it over Tony. I'm looking at the stretch. Tony, we all, we all, when we talk about the greatness of Tony Ferguson, we're talking about that 12-fight win streak. We're talking about those missed opportunities to fight Habib. I, I don't know. I don't want to say there was a case like when he was when he was winning all those fights, when he won that win streak, it's a six year unbeaten streak that like anyone was saying he was definitely the number one lightweight, but he was certainly top three for the longest time. I want to say he was slightly ahead of Poirier, if only because Poirier got that weird Michael Johnson loss, which probably like messes up the rankings, depending how you keep them. Ferguson was maybe. Oh, man. But doesn't Poirier near the end uh, 2018, 2019, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, Max Holloway. Wow. Oh, Anthony Pettis in there, too. Wow. That is a hell of a four fight win streak. Um, yeah, that's a hell of a four win streak. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly lean Poirier. I, I, I think it's closer than people. Well, like you say, it's a good question. You, you said it was close. Yeah, that's what makes it a good question. Definitely. The, this it's incredible. The, the last few years have made Poirier look much better than Tony Ferguson. Where are the age wise? I know. Oh, Poirier's younger. I know Ferguson's almost 40 now. Poirier's uh, 30. He'll be 39 next month. Um, so, yeah, I'll lean Poirier as well slightly for a lot of the reasons you stated. And, again, the quality competition, pretty similar. It's pretty similar near once they uh, once Poirier got selling in, in lightweight. So, and once he moved on from that Michael Johnson loss. So, yeah, I'll lean Poirier. In their prime, who wins? That was the other part of the question. I'm Gosh, it's so hard to say because I just I'm, I, the recency bias is killing me. I thought I really thought Tony Ferguson could have beaten had a chance to beat Habib. We now know that's probably not the case. We've seen Habib at his best. We've seen Tony at their best, and even though they never fought, I think most com- people would comfortably say uh, Habib beats him. Dustin Poirier, though, I'll 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 say I think I would have if this had happened. I'm trying to transfer myself back. If this fight had just been booked in their primes, some some sometime between let's say 2015 2019, I would have picked Ferguson. I'll say no. I would have picked Ferguson. I think a lot of people would have. Mm. Um, but in hindsight, I think Poirier would have okay. won. I don't know. It's tough. Very it's tough. T- it's tough because Ferguson, Ferguson's durability was such a big weapon for him. And Gaethje used that weapon to his advantage very well when Gaethje fought Ferguson because he just kept pouring it on and it never stopped. Poirier has been shown to fade down the stretch and... Ferguson could just take that ass whooping extremely well. Not maybe not as much these days, but back when he was winning all those fights, I would pick Poirier just because I think he's, I think he's the more well-rounded fighter here. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. It's super tough because I think Poirier beating Connor, like obviously boosted him in a, in a different way. And they're just viewed in different respects, but I do think Poirier's game is a little more, more well-rounded okay. than than Tony's. Tony is pure chaos, but and he won a lot of fights based on that chaos. But Poirier loves doing the triple Lindy in the chaos pool too. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a great. Would question. you? Uh, That's a. Would great you want to question. see this fight happen now? No, I, <laughs> I still do. I think Poirier. I think I still do. I think Poirier. I think Poirier trucks. Yeah, Tony it doesn't. Right it doesn't now. answer that. And I so I don't. Yeah, it doesn't it. answer that question. But I still do. I still. I still would wouldn't mind seeing it i guess i'm sick like that I, and also listen i still have tony ferguson ranked in my top 10 so we don't need to go over that again <laughs> all right um let me yeah, see let's, all right one more I'll, each. I'll one ask more this each. one yeah, one more each. let's go all right 
uh, Strike.mx. Was Conor McGregor yeah. only an elite fighter at featherweight? Mm-hmm. And then his little explanation. Despite his amazing performance against Alvarez and judging on results, not skills, Conor was only elite at featherweight. After leaving featherweight, he is 3-4 and four above 145 and was finished in all four of those losses. Two of his three wins were against middling fighters in Diaz and Cowboy. And all of those fights, mind you, to add to the context, were at 170. All mm-hmm. of those fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboy and both both Nate Diaz fights. So, what do you think about that, AK? Do do you consider Connor only elite at featherweight? It's a fair question. It's a very fair question. It is a fair question, and it gets more fair with every passing year. Uh, we've said it before. Uh, beating Eddie Alvarez, uh, we sort of had discussion recently. We had a lot of discussion recently with uh, Jamal Hill winning the UFC light heavyweight title. What does winning the UFC title mean? Um, uh, you know, and, and Connor was an example. Is like, did Connor beating Eddie, literally fighting one time at lightweight, make him the number one lightweight in the world? In Connor's case, it kind of did because Eddie was the lineal champion. So at the very least, you could say, okay, I beat the guy at the top, and that's something that Jamal Hill can't say, and it's not his fault. He got thrown. He beat who he had to beat to win the title. You know, it's not his fault. He couldn't get a fight with Yuri. But, um, but for Eddie Alvarez, I'm uh, sorry, for Connor McGregor, yeah, beating Eddie Alvarez. Eddie came in with the lineage essentially, and uh, and Connor took that. So you could say, okay, at that moment on that night, UFC 205, Connor McGregor was the number one lightweight on the world. He beat the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy, etc. That said, again, now looking back, he only fought again at lightweight one time in a fight with Khabib, where you know he got some credit for making it to the fourth round, but otherwise did not look great. He he got dominated. He got dominated in the fight, and then we have welterweight fights after. It's pretty harsh to say he wasn't elite at lightweight, but the facts are pretty damning. Again, strike.mx, thank you for this question. You laid it out pretty nicely. He wrote some more, which I didn't I didn't include in our doc here, but it's pretty it's pretty damning. So I am going to confidently say he was uh not elite at lightweight. Listen, if you beat the world champion for sure, that's an elite performance. You had an elite evening. But being elite in a division has to mean competing in that division uh, with some regularity and beating top names. Eddie Alvarez, literally his only big name at lightweight. And that to me is not enough to say that this guy was an elite fighter at 155 because he just didn't fight there enough. So um, not to not to poop on his in-case legacy that much because he's certainly an elite fighter as a whole. But just his body of work at 155 is, is not elite. Yeah, I think it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so strange because it's so strange because that Alvarez performance was like one of the all time greatest performances in the history of the sport, and it was at one fifty five. And I honestly don't. Habib aside, I don't think there's a human being at one fifty five on planet Earth that would have beat Conor McGregor that night. Habib might have. Because Habib just does that to everybody, but I think if Connor fought anybody that night, that dude beat pretty much everybody. That was the, that was the most elite Connor McGregor has ever been in terms of performance. It it's one of if you could only pick five title defenses or five championship challenger fights, Connor is in everybody's top five. That performance it, it, it's probably number one or two. There's just I just don't think there's anything better than that. Eddie had no chance. Like, literally no chance. And Eddie yeah. went in there and just trucked Rafael Dos Anjos, which was a huge win mm-hmm. 
It was massive. Everything about it was like, oh damn, like Eddie's Eddie's found his groove again. Like this is this is that Eddie's that dude again. And then just Connor just kick Connor beat the shit out of him. Like it was Eddie had no chance. Yeah. This, this wasn't like this None. wasn't like an Aldo where like you know I, I mean great 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 championship. Uh, all that's a top five you know ch- challenger win for sure. Uh, but a challenger performance like an actual performance that's what the Alvarez win was. You're right. He, he we got to see. Listen, we got to see Eddie have, show what he could do, and it none, nothing worked against Connor. Was just a ro- 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 a machine that night. So because of that performance, I will say I will say no to the question because of that performance. It's it's one of those. What, I know we had like a what if kind of question, mm-hmm. and we're not we probably won't get to that because that's just a lot to yeah, break yeah, down. Yeah. But what I think one of the big MMA what ifs to answer that question is what if Connor didn't go fight Floyd Mayweather? What if that fight never oh, happened? We'd be living in a very different universe right now. It, we, we might be. never have had. We, we might dude, never have had to talk about Jake Paul. Fighting? We might never have had to talk about Jake Paul. I feel like there's a direct through line from McGregor Mayweather to Jake Paul existing in the combat sports universe. <laughs> yeah, if that dude just kept fighting in MMA and didn't take all that time off, and just I don't know. I mean, you went to the boxing world and made a whole bunch yeah. of money. Good no, for him. No regrets. Like, good no for regrets. him. Set himself up forever. But if he didn't, if that didn't happen. Because we all, at that time, were like, there's no chance that fight's ever going to get I, put together. Oh, my gosh. And then yeah. somehow it got put together, and I still can't believe it. And it's still the most genius thing I've ever seen because they somehow convinced the world that Connor had a chance. And I can't believe, like, just the amount of discussions I've had <laughs> when it came to that fight, like, leading into it. I went and watched, like, I went and watched that fight with, like, 100 people. At a, like an outdoor thing, like it was a beautiful summer night, and we had the big inflatable TV, and like I was around people that I knew, and then a whole bunch of people that I didn't, and these people were like willing to physically fight me because they thought because I thought Floyd was just gonna whoop <laughs> that ass, and like they're like, no, oh, dude, you don't understand, you bro. Don't, don't you cover MMA? Don't, like, you, don't you cover I MMA? D- don't you know how good I'm this like, guy is? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I I get it, and then as like each round is going on. They're all like, I fucking told you, dude. I told you. You're sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, have you ever watched Floyd Mayweather fight? Like, have you ever seen this? I was like, don't worry about it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna be laughing in your face, man. I'm telling you. And then Floyd just starts tuning him up, and I'm just sitting there. I'm just sitting there with like this this look on my face of just come come take what's coming to you. And I and I and I and I handled it like with, with class, but I was just like, look, man, there's just. This is exactly what I told you. And I called the round and the finish and everything. I said, look, Connor's going to win some rounds early. Floyd's just going to let him punch. He's not really going to hit him that much. going to hit him a couple times. But Floyd's just going to let him punch a lot. And it's going to seem like Connor's landing all of them, but he probably only lands like 8% of them. And then Connor's just going to get tired, and Floyd's just going to piece his ass up. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And at the end, they were just like, all right. But like... Might have been fixed too, and I'm just like, I'm leaving. See ya. It's been a fine evening. It's been that a fine evening, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I hate all of this, but yeah, but but that is a huge what if. Yeah. Is what if Connor just didn't do that? Like, I'd probably be happier. Mike, it changes being, the whole. It changes but, the whole industry. That fight again, like I said, Jake Paul, whatever. All this freak, all this high, high. We'll always have freak show fights. That was never going away. But at the level that freak show fights have, the prominence that they have reached. 
does not happen with the, the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight happening and seeing how much money can be made with just a little a little creativity, a little uh, a little mixing of the no, not mixing the martial arts, but I don't know. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> no, no one's ever made money mixing the martial arts. I'll tell you that much. Uh, my, hey, maybe Dana, may, hey, listen, we, we that was the return of like promoter Dana White. That was the loudest he was, and he started screaming again. And I wonder if like I wonder if we're Please back stop. to, to that don't. guy my head again. Is, my, no, my ears are still bleeding. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, I'm gonna throw. Yeah, I'm gonna throw out. Yeah, I'm gonna throw out a, uh, let's end on a matchmaking note because uh, so everyone who sent in questions, thank you. Uh, a real, a lot of great questions. I got a ton of them. Uh, you got you Instagram beasts or just or something else. Um, so, but I'll go to a, a favorite of mine. And again, I, I want a matchmaking question. Michael Conifer, the man who runs the Otno and MMA fighting memes uh, Instagram guys, definitely follow that page. Michael Conifer wants to know, Mike. And by the way, I want to say we're cutting it off here because Mike, this isn't heck of a morning where you. I've always I've seen you every episode. You're like, okay, I got to run in five minutes. And then you take like three more callers and you're on for like another 20 minutes. I mean, you're the best in the business, but you got to. This is it. You got, you got to value it. your own personal time, Mike. It's cr- every episode, you, you give so much time to the fans. You're so dedicated. But Michael Conifer wants to know. If Aljo moves up to featherweight, what are his chances of becoming champion? That's somewhat compelling. This is a good question. What would be your preferred first matchup for him in the division? So let's go on. No, let's go on to the next one here. What are his chances? Hmm. Who do you match him up with first? I might I might take a beating for this, but I don't care. I actually like I think I think Aljo's chance I, I think he has a chance. It depends, because it's tough. Like him and Volkanovsky is a tough matchup, but Aljo is really good. And he does just doesn't get the credit for it because of just how wildly awkward these last few fights have been. So I would say, I don't know. It's tough. I, I mean, because I would pick Volkanovski to beat yep. him. But if Volk wins the lightweight title, I would pick Aljo to beat Josh Emmett. And I would pick Aljo to beat Yair Rodriguez. I agree. Okay. I would pick him to beat both okay. those guys. I agree. I would I would pick him to beat Ilya Teporia right hmm. now. Just because of the, and, and I know Ilya's a really good grappler, um, but Aljo, even even though Ilya's a bigger featherweight, I actually think Aljo's bigger than him and stronger than him. So I think that's that's an interesting fight. That would probably be the fight. That would probably be my pick, Ilya Taporia. Like if Aljo loses to like if they if whenever the Suhudo fight happens because it's still being discussed and there's all sorts of craziness going on, um, if Aljo loses to Suhudo and he moves up, that's the fight I would go with. That's a hell of a welcome. That's him a hell of a welcome to the featherweight division, Ilya Tapuria. I mean, you can't you, you can't chuck no, him in there with Billy no, Q right no. now. We just we gotta we gotta keep on going. I'm looking at like a Dan Ige, but there's maybe just not doesn't quite have the wattage. That's not no, Aljo. No, no, he's not no, getting no, out of bed no. for that one. <sighs> Brian Ortega, maybe, but he's coming off a loss, so no. Yeah, I know it's a weird loss, but still a loss. Aljo's fighting like Al. If Aljo moves up to 145, he's fighting for the belt. So. That that's that's probably the long and the short of it. You th- you but again, it all kind of depends. You think they throw him into an instant title shot? If he moves up to one forty five, they probably they 
He probably such a gets deep a title division. Uh, I'll say this first of all: I actually don't like his chances of winning a title. Uh, you're, you're right. If it's Yair or yeah, Josh Emmett, this is true. One of them, depending what happens with Volkanovski and Marco. I think he beats both those guys. I do like. I would pick him against. Okay, both I those do guys. like his chance yeah. for those. I think there's other people he doesn't match up as well with. I don't love like I actually think Ortega's a good matchup for him. Arnold Allen's a good matchup for him. Movsar, uh, Ilya. Some of these guys. Are, some That's of these guys a tough are gonna, one. I think there's going to have some decent amount. Of, I mean, he's a good, healthy size bantamweight, but I think going up to featherweight, he'd be giving up some size. Uh, I'll, lean, I'll tell you something. I, I, I'll, I'll lean towards Ortega, like who I think what would happen. I think his name value is super high. I think his rankings still high, and they think that would be an interesting, winnable fight for Aljo or a fight that could get Ortega back on track because they like Ortega. So that would be my my guess. That would be my guess of what could happen. Yes, he's coming off a lot uh, two losses, Ortega, but fine. Uh, but yeah, I actually, but I actually I like don't like. I don't like his chance. Other than I, I it's weird because I do agree with you that Emmett Rodriguez, um, both of them, uh, being good matchups for Aljo. But I still, I don't know. Weirdly, I don't think he. He'll, I don't. I don't think he'll win the title of featherweight. I'm not sure why. I, I think if you could become the two division champion at 135 and 145, uh, the men's divisions. That would be right up there with the best champ champ accomplishments because these divisions are so deep and defend obviously not just go up and win it but defend the featherweight title a couple of times. If you're able to get title defenses at 135, 145, boy, you are one of the all time great pound for pound fighters because these divisions are friggin' loaded. So that's why I don't like his chances to to win to to become a champ champ. How old is Alderman? Twenty nine right now. Thirty. No, way older. Thirty three. Way off. <laughs> So well, yeah, he'll be thirty. He'll be thirty-four okay. in July. Twenty-nine. I was like, you know, no, he's, a, he's got the he's got the way. spirit of a twenty-nine-year-old. Yes, he does have the spirit of a twenty-nine-year-old. It's just how, how long does he want to do, uh-huh, keep uh-huh. doing this? I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued mm-hmm. by it. It's gonna I'm happen. It's gonna it. happen. It's gonna that happen. dude, he's going. He is going to move featherweight at some point. I mean, at this point, no matter who he fights next, whether it's Cejudo or O'Malley. Because it, it seems to me, and this is like some of the discussions I've had, because we reported that the Sterling Cejudo fight was targeted for April 8th, which is not fake news, by the way. Uh, I think I've laid that out pretty clearly. Uh-huh, very, quite vehemently, yes. But, yes, but there's, um, again, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts, including this Mazadal Burns thing that just got put together willy-nilly, <laughs> essentially, from, from the conversations mm-hmm. that I've had. So maybe they're just maybe they're not confident that Aljo can fight April eighth. That fight is still on the table for April eighth. I will assure you, uh, but it, maybe they move it back again. I do know, I do understand that if they push it back again, like they ain't pushing it back further. So if they're it's like, dude, we're fighting this card or we're not, like if you can't fight, they're gonna go Cejudo O'Malley for the interim title, and then the winner will fight Aljo later on. And then, so in my eyes. Aljo's going to fight one more time at 35, and then he's yeah. going up. No yeah, he's got to make room for Marab, one. Two, he doesn't want none of that Umar smoke. Get out. Aljo, get out of there before Umar gets in title shot range, because <laughs> this man is, he's going to go, listen, he's going to live up to, to that Nurmagomedov name, and I don't I don't want to say he never loses, like, you know, like Habib, but I don't see him finishing his career with, like, more than one or two losses. This guy is a friggin' monster. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Aljo, listen, get that big Cejudo fight, maybe get an O'Malley fight if you get past Cejudo, and then get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, and... Or, I, I'm actually surprised to hear you say mm-hmm. that, AK. Oh? I'm surprised to hear you say that from a matchmaking perspective, because you, you've been saying for a long time, like, Usman should have just went right for Hamzat. Like, right away. Like, if you're gonna get him, get him now. Before the... Uh, 
the Roosters come to oh, it's roost, too late. so to speak, or whatever that. He should. He should have gotten him. Uh, his, he should have gotten him his first UFC that. fight. It's too late. It's uh, <laughs> It's too late. <laughs> no, I've seen too much from Umar. I've seen too much. All right. Well, I, we, I think we did a pretty good job answering these questions, but it's time to go, ladies and gentlemen. We're almost two hours. Holy smokes! I Great didn't questions see that happening, but you guys rule. We'll be back next week. Will we? Uh, it'll be a little bit <laughs> Are later. <we> sure? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, it'll be just a later release than normal because the UFC event is at just a weird time. And I'm not going to complain about it because I know some of our international listeners are like, what the I'm going to complain about it. About, like, I, don't care about, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I don't mean that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. Oh, man. Oh, so I have to run this card down, mm-hmm. don't I? Let me, let me, let me, let me let's, let's run. Lewis versus Speedback, baby. Oh, I pulled up the wrong one. That was the one from November. That oh, didn't happen. I've made that mistake as well. Yes. But yes, you are. But you are correct. Let's go. You are correct. Lewis Beebeck is main eventing February 4th. Yes. Next week. Okay. Here we are. Prelims. 10 p.m. Eastern. We have 12 fights. Here we go. Main event. Derek Lewis. Sergey Spivak. Daun Jung. Okay. Devin Clark is your co-main event. Marcin Tybora versus Blagoy. Two heavyweight Ivanov. fights. Oh, mercy me. Okay. Yes, two heavyweight fights and three fights. That's your feature bout in your main event. Uh, we do get the return of the Korean Superboy, Duho Choi, on this card, fighting Kyle Nelson. Yusaku Kinoshita versus Adam Fugit. And then we have uh, the Road to the UFC mm-hmm, final mm-hmm. fights. We have uh, Anshil Jubilee versus Jekka Saragi. Uh, Jia Yi versus Jiang Young Lee. Rinya Nakamura versus Toshiomi Kazama. And Hyun Sung Park versus Seung Guk Choi. Uh, that is descending from lightweights to flyweights, by the way. Ji Yun Kim versus Mandy Boehm, who is in a much a, a must-win situation for sure. Jun Young Park versus Dennis Tululian. And the guy who seems to be getting I'm forgotten saying. in a lot of these prospect discussions, Tatsuro yeah. Taira. Fighting Jesus yeah. Aguilar, the undefeated Tetsuro Tyra, not getting enough love. Good for him, they're not pushing him too fast. He's in the, he's only he's young, is he younger than Makaya? Or they're around the same age, like twenty two or something. Um, yeah, they're both uh, very young. They couldn't put that as main card opener, but hey, you know what? I often complain about it's the first fight in the card. I often complain about pushing people too fast. So if this is maybe this is the last time he's this low in a card, and that's okay. This is only his third UFC fight. Main card opener, I think, would have been a nice spot, but okay, whatever, it's fine. It's not terrible. Yeah, he might have actually. Yeah, he might have actually. He might actually have a tougher matchup than Mahayev has right now. Yeah. Being honest, mm-hmm. for his next fight. But we will see what happens, and we'll be back to match make for all of it, uh, sometime in the <laughs> afternoon, the day after that event. Of course, Bellator is back as well. Bellator two ninety. That's gonna be a fun one. Their CBS debut. I mean, what, what a three fight card they're given on network television. We got. The final Fedor fight against Ryan Bader for the heavyweight title. We got Johnny Eblen versus Anatoly Tokov, which is going to be an incredible battle at 185. And then just an absolute heater to kick things off between Saba Hamasi and Brennan Ward. That is just going to be violence personified. And we'll talk about it next week. Not that. Most of the UFC stuff. But we'll probably sprinkle in some Bellator talk because please, who knows? Maybe that's all please. we'll be watching at that point. Uh, live in, in, in on our television screen. So thank you very much for AK. I am Mike Heck. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week, but always remember the golden rule. 
Don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun, and we'll have more fun following UFC Vegas 60... Which one is this? Nine, I think? I'm not editing this. This is 69 or 68? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. UFC Vegas 68. Question mark. Yeah, yeah. Vera (laughs) Sanhagen 69. Okay, 68. All right. Fair enough. Uh, UFC Vegas 68 right here. On to the next one, the podcast. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.